This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 127. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lamramayasa, and today we have a great manga to talk about. A manga that we really are glad we were able to manage to talk about it. Otherwise, we would have been crossed. That's right. We're talking about Cross Managed by Kaito. The very beloved short-lived Shonen Jump series. It didn't last too long, but it still remains and is remembered very fondly in the hearts of those who read it. And we got to talk about it today with some great friends of ours. Maxi Bernard, of course, host of French Your for Victory, our good friend Shonen Jump expert but also we were joined by marion of the good friends anime club demon slayer podcast shocking dorador podcast a ton of other great shows and first time guest to the show aisha mama loves manga who runs a really awesome youtube channel is also a really big fan of cross match it was really delightful to talk with all of these wonderful people about a very short-lived but very sweet shonen jump series Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I really had a lot of fun with this discussion, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, our uh, short-lived Jump Comics sort of podcast, which uh, I have a catchy name that we'll get to in a second. Um, I think this one was probably the most exhaustive one we have, we've ever done. Uh, certainly the one we've covered, uh, I guess, with the most to talk about between just the construction of Kaito's paneling and the themes of the uh, story and whatnot and a lot of uh, a lot of speculation on uh, why this beloved series was so cut short um just just, just a, a a lot of angles to tackle this discussion from that i think made for a really thorough one so i'm i i think this is our in in, in terms of like short lived show to jump series that we've talked about and the discussions we've had on them i, I think this is probably our best one um and it's going to be i think it's going to be hard at the top uh, but that's just me. Well, we'll see going into the future. But uh, so uh, I also want to put out there. I think for the for the sake of uh, short, catchy labels from now on, because I feel like there were times in this discussion where you know when I refer to these types of podcasts, uh, you know, always calling them short-lived, shown to jump comics, whatever podcasts is kind of a mouthful. And so I think from now on, for the sake of uh. For the sake of catchy labeling, I think uh, we are going to be referring to these types of podcasts as Jump Stop Podcasts, uh, sort of the opposite of Jump Starts. Uh, very clever, I know. I'm just patting myself on the back. I totally came up with that in, in one sitting. I, we definitely uh, definitely didn't have to record this again. Um, yeah, it was my first time <laughs> hearing about it. Wow, I am so impressed. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're stroking my ego here. Um but no, yeah, so uh, so yeah, I think that's what we're going to be labeling these types of episodes from now on. Again, something short, catchy, um, and uh, yeah, I again, I, I think this was a really good discussion, and I, I think we shouldn't stall any longer. I think we should just give the people what they want and uh, head on into our discussion of Kaito's cross-manage. Yeah, it's time to hit the goal. Let's get running right into the discussion.
It's time to cross another cancelled Shonen Jump manga off our list as part of our goal of covering them all and to help us manage our retrospective of Kaito's classic manga cross manage, we've invited on some extra special guests. We've got our good friend Maxi Bernard of Friendship Effort Victory, our resident Shonen Jump expert. Ahoy there. Why, why did I say it like that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got on our good friend Marion from the Demon Slayer podcast, the good friends Anime Club, and the You from the Top, the Haikyuu podcast. Oh, you're going to make me blush calling me extra special. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time on the show, we're really happy to have special guest Aisha, otherwise known as Mama Loves Manga on Twitter and YouTube. Hi, hi, hi. Actually, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, as are we. Crossmanage is probably one of the most beloved of these Cancel Shonen Jump series that we've done. And I think a lot of people are excited for us to cover it. So we wanted to make this an extra special discussion. Yeah, I, I was telling Maxi off mic, this is probably the most attention any any of our, like, canceled Shut and Jump podcast series things have, like, gotten. I, I, I think this is probably the most beloved one that Viz has brought out, at least. I mean, I can't imagine what would compete with it. Like, I mean, I, I suppose Stealth Symphony's got volumes in a few months. People might go for it. Barrage had a lot of fans as well. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's not like a good sort of fan, because it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you learned your lesson, Maxie. I thought I did, and it just came out of me. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh, man. Maxie, save it, save, it for the, save it for the Barrage episode. Have we not done one? No, not yet. No, no. That's one we gotta do at some point, just so we can get your thoughts on the series out there and figure out just why you have such ire for it. Oh. Why must you barrage, barrage with so much insults, Maxie? <laughs> You'll never have me on as a guest again afterwards, so I mean... Oh. <laughs> I mean, the Horikoshi fans, the MHA fans may come after you, but... Now, that is something you'll have to deal with, I guess. Have to go on the run of become a manga vigilante. Like MHA vigilantes. Arguably better than regular MHA. Oh, we will see. That's <laughs> another conversation. I mean, not not to let the cat out of the bag, but hopefully we can maybe do Horikoshi's stuff next because I'm not going to lie, outside of Barrage, I really want to talk about Omaka Doki Zoo at some point, even though that wasn't picked up by Viz. It was still something I read like... You know, obviously, that, that, that's how I got into Horikoshi's work, so I really want to cover that at some point. The year's still short, and I'm sure somebody from Viz is listening, so, you know. <laughs> Anything can happen. Wink, wink. I mean, yeah, you never know. Considering, like, how popular MJ is, I wonder why wouldn't they just go back into the vault and say, Hey, this is also from the same author. Read this, too. Even if it was, like, a digital-only release, I'd still accept it, you know? Then again, it, even though Hunter Hunter and Tagashi's were just so popular, it's not like they've released Level E or uh, Ten Dish or Cube or whatever Tagashi's first series was. I mean, so they should. It's up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but here, we're, we're not here to talk about any of those yet. Uh, we're we're here to talk about Kaito's Cross Manage, uh, which uh, just to kind of put it into context. Uh, so I believe out of everything that got picked up before the what Maxie and I like to call the jumpstart era, 
this was the third series that uh, Shonen Jump picked up when it was still Shonen Jump Alpha, because I think in order, they picked up Barrage first from Kohei Orikoshi, and then uh, uh, while Barrage was still running, that's when uh, Takuma Gahara you know, also got started, which we've done an episode on. Uh, for anybody who wants to go listen to that, I thought that I I just re-listened to that recently. I thought that was a good episode, and uh, yeah, and then yeah, after that came Cross Manage, and then yeah, I, I believe uh, I believe the last series, the last like canceled Jump series that they uh, the last the last series that that ended up getting canceled, I should say, uh, that they picked up uh, was uh, Stealth Symphony uh, from Ryogo Narita. And uh, and then I think after that, yeah, we get into the Jumpstart era and whatnot. So just to kind of put things in the context, just to let people know that Jumpstarts were not a thing at this point. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was a wild time when Viz would just kind of pick up a new series from Jump, you know, regardless of anything. <laughs> Seemingly randomly, you have to wonder what convinced them to pick up Takama Gahara and Crossmatch in particular. Or even Barrage, since Horikoshi wasn't a name yet then. Like, they just took a chance on some series. Just And it's not like these series were debuting just one, one alone. There was another series surrounding it that they probably could have picked up. But, yeah, it's a surprise. You know, they picked up Crossmash, but they skipped over Haikyuu. And, well, that's kind of an interesting bet, though. In the long term, you know, they eventually licensed Haikyuu, but... Both these started in the same year, within two months of each other. Crossman started in September of 2012. These added it to Alpha in October, and it ran until July 2013. So Crossmanage, it managed to hang in there for about a year, which was pretty impressive since all throughout that year, it was in danger of cancellation. Near the bottom, everyone was like, is this when Crossmanage is going to get axed? I hope not. And it kept surviving until it finally, unfortunately, did not. It, it had to have had, like, some amount of, like, fan base out there for it to keep running. I don't know. Definitely. For, well, it's a luck of the draw, probably. You know, there were probably things performing worse or ending earlier that helped it continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in a pretty dense year for, like, really popular things. Like, you've already said Haikyuu. It had Psyche Kusuo, Assassination Classroom, Food Wars came afterwards. Like, it was in a dense thing. But there's this idea that got put across by uh, one of Jump's longest-running authors, the author of Kochikame, uh, Osama Akimoto, who said that sometimes Jump will run something because it's interesting more than because it's popular. Uh, you see this with, like, uh, that sumo series, Hin- Hinamaru Sumo. Uh, and this is definitely one of those sorts of series. It never set the world on fire, but it's completely unlike anything else they were doing at the time, and really unlike anything they've done since in the magazine. Yeah, and they pushed that one also. Eventually, they got it in anime, and it came to a natural conclusion after, like, 250 chapters, five years. So, I mean, sometimes they do just believe in a series and want to give it as much support as possible, at least to the point they can. But yeah, no, I mean, I I still can't believe the series is eight years old at this point. That really blows my mind. I mean, yeah, it definitely does not feel like it's that old. I, I mean, I guess when I think about it, oh, wow, 2012 is when all these big series came out. That was that long ago. That is just makes me feel, man, I was still in high school at that point. Same, wow, yeah. my life has changed so much <laughs> in less than a decade. I mean, it it feels like a different time, you know, like, uh, 
I mean, well, I would have been about 22 when it came out, but, like, the only end of the world we had to fear back then was one to do with a Mayan calendar. Like, how naive we all were, you know? Like, oh, yeah, 2012! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That came in 2009. They were jumping on on that one. (laughs) I'm just laughing because y'all said that y'all were still in, like, high school, or you were 22 in 2012. I, um... I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) So that's, yeah. I I, I mean, I graduated high school in 2004. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, y'all are young. But anyway. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. even, Even Jump was like so different back then. It's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, this was the days of Jump Alpha. That was when they were releasing chapters on, like, a two-week delay oh, from yeah. when they were being published in Shaman. Like, a far cry from the current day when they are simultaneous day and time. Yep. And it only costs $2 to read all the cross-manage if you want to read it. You don't even have to buy the digital editions, but, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, it's still worth buying them. Indeed, you should. They have some great extras and some, you know, weird, sweet authors comments from Kaito, too. Like, that's kind of another thing that kind of makes me very sentimental about the series is that it, you would clearly get the sense that Kaito it was just so grateful to have the opportunity to draw this story and draw as much of the story as they could. And every author comment is like him thanking the readers and saying, I don't really know what to say, but like, thank you so much. I'm so happy that I could draw this manga. So I read it on the Jump app, and I had considered buying the digital, but I wasn't sure. But So now y'all have convinced me, because I would like to read the little author notes and the asides, because I really did enjoy this series, but I just wasn't sure if I wanted to buy the digital. But yeah, I guess I'm going to now, so I can see what y'all are talking about. Buying digital can be a pretty nebulous thing a lot of times, because, I mean, most apps or anything you buy it from, it's they'll tell you you don't really own it it's like you own like a lease to read it so it's it it feels weird to spend money on sometimes and i say it's someone who's bought way too much to sure but there are so many nice touches like the final volumes authors though is literally like a photo of all the handmade merch and and uh letters from fans including handmade dolls of sakurai like the one misera made oh that was so That, that was nice and the the cover designs, I I can't stress this enough. There's some of them, the some of the most beautiful jump covers, like outside of stuff like Slam Dunk, you know, or Pewtifuku Jaguar, like just things that look absolutely amazing. And uh, Sean Carrico does like a nice bit of design work with these bars that go across them. That's completely absent from the Japanese versions. Like they're a completely unique production to what you'd get like if you bought the Japanese in print, which is neat. I was gonna say that. Uh... I'd say it's worth buying uh, the digital volumes just so, because uh, obviously the volumes have like nice little character bios and whatnot that help you kind of learn about all the, the secondary cast and whatnot, um, which I thought was kind of nice. Very helpful since there are a lot of characters. Oh, yeah, yes. especially. <laughs> um, but we should probably actually talk about like what Cross Manage is about for people who may not know. Uh, Lum, do you want to inform our listeners on what exactly Cross Manage is about? Sure, Crossmatch is the story of Sakurai and the lacrosse team that he ends up becoming the manager for. At the beginning of the series, Sakurai is kind of trying to find a new club to join after a traumatic experience 
playing soccer in middle school, ended up causing a leg injury, which caused him to be unable to play soccer and lose his big passion in life. So he's trying to kind of find that passion again. He becomes interested in helping Misera, the captain and kind of the center of the lacrosse team improve and get better and help them can you know not only improve as a player but help the team win games so he becomes their manager and uses his experiences as a former athlete and soccer player to help them out while also helping increase uh, the other players confidence and help them come closer together as a team as they you know improve immensely and eventually in the final match of the series face like the top seed in the tournament to do quite well for themselves against them i guess do we do we all kind of want to talk about like how we got into cross manage and and more more importantly like like our first impressions uh kind of where we're all coming from uh maxi how about we start with you um (laughs) the least interesting possible story of how to get into cross manage (laughs) uh i i used to read Everything that would go through jump, especially if it got cancelled, it made me pay attention all the more. I'm I'm the cancelled jump person. It's 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 my thing, even though I don't really <laughs> get on with the magazine too much anymore. Um and like cross manage really stood out, even from the uh, the one shot that came out uh, a, a couple of seasons before it. I, I think it would have been a jump next one shot. Like it's just got this really nice was a calming art style which seems like a weird thing to say for something that's about sports but everything's quite soft and down to earth without being like overly realistic and the the gags are solid and i was just like yeah i'm into this i'm gonna keep going with this and then it started getting um for a shining jump series surprisingly deep with the messages it's trying to send and i was like oh shit this is like actually one of the best things that's ever been in this magazine that's my entire (laughs) journey with it really it's like how quite close to my heart it's made me a a fan of the author for some time now like i uh i've said off the air like i've bought and read everything they've done at this point and uh and isn't that really just what you want when you really enjoy work that much yeah (laughs) i i know they never will but i really wish fizz would pick up the rest of buddy strike and just translate that into english it's only one or two volumes Right, it's, it's, from 10 it's chapters, one right? slightly big volume, and it's uh-huh. uh, actually really good. <laughs> so it would be nice if they did. And it's about baseball, so by default, it's great. Ah, oh, man. We got 30% of it. We got to get the rest. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, like, I'm like. i only going to say it here because I doubt we'll ever get to do an episode on it, but like, I really love those first three chapters of Buddy Strike. I really wanted more of it. <laughs> Did anyone ever fan translate the rest either? The last time I checked, no. But I might, I might have yeah, to double check. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even if I double check, I kind of doubt they did. Um, but whatever, say love. No, it was eleven chapters. You'd think I'd remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess, um, Marion, do you want to talk about your first impressions of uh, Crossmanage? Sure. Um... At this point, I don't remember like when I got the idea to read it. I just remember the fact that I I bought like the whole vol or I like all five volumes. There was like a Viz sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they were like all discounted or something. And like, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that uh, when when Viz has a sale like that, I jump on it immediately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how I got like. Daddy loves discounts. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got like so many series like that. I got Door Hetero. I got like JoJo's, and I got like a bunch of other stuff. But uh. Reading through Crossmanage, I was like, 
really like really pleasantly surprised um when, when like my first impression reading it the artwork was so i don't know how to describe it um it was it felt like soft uh like just like the textures and like the tones that were used uh i remember talking to a friend like oh yeah like trying to describe the art i was like this is like if black and white could be pastel mm. yeah but um like i i really i clicked with the story like like immediately because I was like semi-athletic in high school. I was in uh, like track and I also played handball, uh, like mm. American handball, not the European team one. But uh, I also had like an injury and like just like seeing the way that Kaito would portray emotions through like body language and like facial expressions and like just people like having conversations and stuff like it really resonate, uh, resonated with me really quickly. And it went on to become like one of my favorite like jump series. Like this is really good. And uh, also, like, this was brought up before, but, like, uh, the follow-up uh, to this, or, like, the follow-up to the follow-up, uh, <laughs> Blue Flag, both, like, Cross Manage and Blue Flag have, like, some of the best, like, paneling, I would say, in, like, Jump Series uh, in general, just because of, like, the way that um, Kaido would do, like, like, a big panel to, like, set the scene, and then, like, smaller ones uh, beside it to, like, show just, like, little actions of people progressing through, like, a conversation or something, or, like, uh changed like perspective slightly uh it, it reminded me a bit of uh, uh specifically like there were scenes in dragon ball or like dragon ball z in, in the manga where um i'm specifically thinking about like when uh piccolo was like training gohan in like the mountain and stuff that there were a lot of pages like that where it's like one big panel uh like setting the scene with like the location and it was like a far shot then like zooming in and like seeing uh piccolo and gohan like interacting and then like go back to the environment and it's just like it puts you like in a specific headspace and mm -hmm. i think it's like the perfect kind of thing for for the tone that it was setting kaido's a good artist mm -hmm. i definitely want to talk more about the paneling uh a little later just to kind of put a pin in that but um i guess um aisha do you want to talk about your first impressions sure um so i guess i should start by saying that um this was introduced to me by my friend G when I was looking for another sports series to get into. I had just gotten into Haikyuu and I had also just downloaded the Shonen Jump app and she was like, here's a list of things that you should read. <laughs> and Cross Manage was on there and I fully trust her judgment. We've been friends for long enough that she knows like what I would be interested in. So I started reading it and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is right up my alley. And I know some people are probably going to not like this, but there's something about it that reminded me almost of shoujo manga in a way. Mm -hmm. Like there's like mm. a, there's a softness to it. There's an, emo like there's emotion to it. It didn't feel like something that I would expect to come out of a shonen jump title. That's um, totally I don't fair, read yeah. a lot of shonen jump, but I have, read some. Um, I used to be a huge fan of Food Wars. And, you know, they're very different. There's a different feel. Um, I, I feel like a lot of Shonen Jump titles tend to feel like they are geared toward the stereotypical guy, you know, young guy. Like, I have a 14-year-old son, and a lot of these things... A lot of their titles feel like they're geared toward him, you yeah. know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and which is not a bad thing. Um, but this cross managed felt like it was geared more toward almost like an a 
adult audience in a way and like almost a little bit more, not necessarily a female audience, but definitely there's that feeling like uh, as a woman, I could read it and I didn't feel like I never felt uncomfortable. I felt like all of the the characters were portrayed in a very like believable way like the the female characters were portrayed in a believable way and I felt like there was so much care taken in like the character design and like just their personalities and I loved the little bit of love in there like I really enjoyed this a lot more than I expected and I don't even like sports but lacrosse I want to play it. I want to try. <laughs> um, I'm not built for – I'm definitely – I'm very small. Um, I, I, I'll put it this way. I've taken ballet lessons for like seven or eight years. I look like a small ballerina. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think I would be very good at lacrosse, but this series made me want to try it. And I – oh, my gosh. I'm like getting really excited about it again, like – while I'm talking because there was just something that was so unexpected, I guess is my first impression. Very unexpected. I, I would recommend this. Like I would tell people to go and download the Shonen Jump app just for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, in in a, in a way, I'm sure you could really relate to Misora in particular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because – um Again, as someone who is small and not very, like, I'm not, not that you have, I mean, ballet dancers are athletic, but it's a different, it's different. It's a different kind of um, athleticism. And also, one of my favorite, this is probably inappropriate since I am talking to, I am, I guess I'm the only girl in this. (laughs) Um, But so, uh, as someone who was very flat chested, there were some, like some scenes that like cracked me up because it was just like, oh, sweetie, I know how you feel. (laughs) I know how you feel. (laughs) So yeah, it was just, I had so much fun reading this. It was, my first impression was great. And talking about it again makes me actually want to read it again. That's really, that's really cool to hear. Um, I guess, uh, Lum, how about you? Yeah, so I first had awareness of cross-managed because I was an avid listener of Weekly Manga Recap. And because they covered the series that ran in the Digital Shonen Jump, uh, they also covered cross-managed. And very quickly, they became endeared to the series. But it was always kind of a joke on the show that, well, the next cancellation round is coming. Cross-managed probably isn't going to last. And then there would be a short little celebration whenever it did. Until, like, of course, eventually it didn't. But my impressions of the series based on theirs was very positive. So I was always interested in reading it. And, kind of like Marion, when I started becoming more comfortable with buying digital manga for myself and got a Shonen Jump subscription and started buying more digital volumes. This had a sale in early 2015 on Crossmatch, and I picked up the entire series then and read through it. I think I probably read through it while I was in a trip to India uh, that summer because I needed some stuff to pass the time, some stuff to read, and having some digital manga download was a real help then so i read straight across Manage then and i really loved it and i think cross Manage is a series that because of its short length i've been able to revisit quite a few times over the years and 
Justin. So again, in preparation for this podcast, and I wholeheartedly echo a lot of what everyone else has just said, and especially the idea about cross-manage, you know, having some more mature undercurrents. Like, I do think that Kaito is really skilled at addressing some more complex emotions that you don't often see addressed in a lot of general sports manga, shonen sports manga, rather. There's that, and it, the vibe of the series, the characters are so incredibly passionate, but it's not the same sort of hot-blooded competition rivalry of other uh, action sports series too so it did have like a special vibe it felt more grounded and definitely a lot of the teams that the series discusses mainly the team of can you enjoy something even if you're not good at it that was a team that really resonated with me and I think we'll dig into that more later I think that's kind of the really core team what makes the series really special and what it explores but yeah uh this is definitely a series i would consider one of the best short-lived uh shonen jump series and yeah rereading it only further cemented that uh, impression to me mm-hmm. well then i guess i'm the last one to go here and uh which I-, I wanted it to be that way because uh i i think um i'm not the only one here i think uh aisha as well uh you know read it just recently as well mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. or or at least but was, you're the freshest reader yeah I, I would say so um you read it in just the last week yes i, I think i like just <laughs> finished it yesterday um so i i mean obviously like i was aware of cross manage back in the time but like uh i don't think i read it mostly just because i don't even i don't even think i had a sub to jump back then like i i wouldn't have a subscription to jump until like july 2013 somewhere around there so i think i think i got a subscription like right around the time it was just about to end um but i I was like aware of it like i knew of of its existence and i was just kind of like oh yeah that's a it's kind of weird they have a lacrosse manga that's interesting but i just never really got around to reading it uh but it's weird for like the the entire eight years that this series has has existed which again still blows my mind um you know i i you know uh, I would have people who follow me on Twitter and whatnot, people in my timeline who sometimes mention it or like they geek out whenever someone mentions it. And, you know, if through, throughout through, throughout the entire eight years of this thing is, has existed, I'd just be like, oh, well, huh, clearly people like this thing. That's interesting. Um, so so I've always kind of like made note of people's, I guess, passion for the series uh, since then. But I just, I just never really got around to it. But uh, I don't know if this is... Uh, th- this might be like a barometer of like how excited people get for like for for me in particular like you know I, I like to do threads for a lot of the stuff I'm reading especially stuff I'm gonna podcast about because it kind of helps me like gather my thoughts and it helps me uh, take note of like any particular moments that like kind of resonate with me and whatnot gives me a chance to just to just talk about what I'm reading you know before the podcast and uh, I, I I think it says something that like. Um, when I when I first started up my thread for Crossmanage, uh, at this moment I have almost thirty people who've liked that tweet. So that's thirty people who are like, "Hey, this guy's getting into Crossmanage. That's exciting!" Like that 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 gives me a barometer of like how excited people get when they talk about a, a particular series. Like I think off the top of my head, outside of Crossmanage, I think the most attention or most likes I've gotten from like a 
from like a tweet thread would be like uh, something like a princess jellyfish. I remember that getting a lot of likes. I'd have to go back and look at some of my threads, but like just in recent memory, I just remember seeing how many likes I was getting on my cross managed thread, or at least the first tweet of it. And that tells me like, okay, people, people want to see more people talk about this thing, which uh, I thought was pretty cool because clear, clearly people like the series. And I, again, it's no exaggeration. I think again, when I say that this is, this is probably going to be pro- out of all the Viz uh, jump series that we're talking about. Uh, out of all the short-lived ones, that this is probably the most beloved one outside of maybe maybe Barrage. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, when I've I I was not. Um, I, sh- I guess I should also say like outside of Buddy Strike, I was not really familiar with Kaito's work at this point. Like I haven't read Blue Flag. Uh, eventually I would like to read Blue Flag because again, that's a series that e- even before it got picked up for an English release, like uh, I had seen people like really talk about it and really be like, man, I really wish this was in English. And man, this is like one of the greatest things ever made or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I-, I think the thing that kind of struck me about Crossmanage in particular was I was not expecting like, how do I put this? It, it's it's interesting that like for a sports series, I feel like, and I think I've told Maxi this over DMs, but like Cross Manage to me feels like feels like a really good high school character drama disguised as a sports series. Yeah, I mean, if you're going into Cross Manage looking for a lot of games, uh, you're not going to find very many. In fact, Colton, I remember you asking me before you started Recross Manage how many games there were in the series, and I couldn't really name more than the last one, which stands <laughs> out because it was a volume and a half work long, but the other games in the series, they kind of breeze through them. They're not really the focus. The focus is on the team getting better in between the matches. And so we really only see three games really in full. And even then, time skips around a lot in those first two that we really spent some time on. But it's really like the first match with Shoran, the first match of the tournament, and then their final match with Shoran are like the only three games that we really see any of at length. So it's not really a series to go into if you're just focused on that aspect. It's really more about kind of the central team of characters learning to improve and also balancing feelings of do they enjoy playing this game with I I am not very good at it, but I want to improve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, at the end of the day, lacrosse is... It's a good focus. It's the thing for them to be passionate about. Like you, you could theoretically, outside of that final match, swap it out for anything, and you could tell a similar story. You, you could have it be about cake decorating, and it would still function, uh, be, because it really is about that that human drama, about this ultimate question about uh, striving at something that you don't have talent for, which isn't. It's not the jump way. That's that's not friendship, effort, victory. You know, like that's that's effort, effort, and ultimately losing constantly, which is really interesting, and I love that. But eventually, victory. I mean, the series ends on an optimistic note, like they've improved a lot as a team, and they're going into their next rematch with Choron. Yeah. I'm very confident. Well, so, because. Like- 
improvement's more important than victory at the end of the day. It's uh, it's about applying yourself and uh, and coming away from it going, hey, I've achieved something, rather than, oh, I won the big tournament that this arc centred around, you know? Well, would you consider that sort of atypical for a jump manga? The, I, I can literally name about two series, including this one, that, that actually really pull off this idea. It's this and uh, my actual favourite jump sports series, Hoopman, which is very much about someone who completely lacks any talent for basketball, uh, learning to, to give it all and try for it because he wants that feeling of having pushed for something in his life. Mm, I see. Yeah. And, like, and, and I love that sort of thing. Like I'm not to put myself down, but I have pretty much no talent at anything. I'm I'm not a person oh. who really has <laughs> oh, ever like, I'm not a person who's ever like strived or pushed myself at things a lot of the time. And it's series like this where you see people in similar situations like strive regardless that make you say, Hey yeah, I wanna do a thing. I wanna make myself do a thing and like that you can't force or fake that feeling. Like a series has to be incredibly sincere to pull that out of you. Most definitely. And I think you're right with your assessment, because when I think of other sports series, even though a lot of protagonists don't start out, you know, as the best player, they have some special quality to them that helps them improve very quickly or quickly get a grasp of the game. Like Slam Dunk, for instance, uh, Sagaragi has, doesn't really know much about basketball at the beginning, but, you know, he becomes a good player fairly quickly on. And a lot of sports and he can jump like real that. high. He, he has yeah, a quality. He can jump real high. Like, again, they have, like, a skill that is useful in the game, even if they're not good at the game in the beginning. Crossmanage goes out of its way to have it so that, like, Sakurai can't work out what Misura's uh, special quality point. is yeah. until, like, quite a bit into the series. I love the reveal of what her strong point is, which is really clever. But also, yeah, Misura does not have, like, an innate talent or something that is suited to be a strong point for the game, like, initially. Like, she isn't very skilled at ball control or even accuracy. So it takes a lot of work for her to improve and for the team to improve. And you're right that the sport is kind of incidental in the case of the series because the reason why Musra becomes attached to lacrosse in particular is because it's the first thing where she felt a sense of accomplishment in because it's the first time where you know she was someone who never was really good at anything and so she kind of gave up on herself and kind of resigned herself to be like well so long as i'm enjoying it it's okay but she felt like a sense of accomplishment when she as a middle schooler was able to like score a goal in the cross and then she would just kept chasing that feeling and getting really into it and dedicating herself wholeheartedly into it and you have to think it was, took years until you know she met Sakurai where she was just working at it and not getting anywhere but she was still trying to improve and recapture that sense of accomplishment and I think the fact that in this series she is able to do that several times again is really rewarding and satisfying Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess for me, as someone who, again, I've said, you know, I'm not super athletic, but I do take ball. I've done ballet now for a little over, I guess, close to eight years. And I understand um, that feeling of doing something that you're not really good at, <laughs> um, but like continuing to do it because there's just this sense of 
um, the, the sense of satisfaction whenever you finally like are able to do a certain move. Um, and I, I loved that the series captured that. And I love that there wasn't this crazy, like power up kind of aspect to it. <laughs> like, cause you know, in a lot of like shonen, just shonen manga <laughs> in general, like the battle manga and sports manga tends to have like that. Oh, wow. Like, I'm going to just power up and you're like overpowered and it's ridiculous and they win everything and you're like, really? Okay. So I love that that didn't have that. Like I love, it felt very realistic. You know, it, it it's something that you could like, you could read or watch or whatever and, and think, you know what? I can do that thing that I, I really want to do, but I'm scared because I may not be good at it. Like it's okay to not be good at something um and to just keep practicing and you know put in the work and you can improve you know like i i loved that message um and i i just loved the real like the realism of it again as someone who has been trying to uh master like a pirouette a double pirouette <laughs> for years <laughs> and i still don't have it you know it's it's comforting to know that it's okay you know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, hearing you guys talk about overpowered sports series or whatever just makes me think, like, cr cross manage is basically the opposite of something like Kuroko's basketball. Yeah, no one enters the <laughs> zone in this series. So I was going to say, like, you could literally do a spectrum that, like, starts with cross manage on one end for realistic, and on the other end you have uh, the Prince of Tennis. Prince that of Tennis, yeah, no example. one enters the pinnacle of perfection. <laughs> Which literally opens with the character basically being a superhero of tennis, and by the end of it, he is literally like a god of tennis. I think like, in New Prince of Tennis, they're like playing like t actual titans or something. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, heard. one of like, them's like the giant. size of a stadium or something. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and it's not to say that those series are bad. Like they have their they have their charm. They're fun. I haven't like read it, but I know it. Like these are series that I know of, and so I have like you know I have the gist of. Of it but like those series are not bad oh, but yeah, it's just sure. nice to see something that you know is is a little bit more calm which really fits into my my general reading style i think so it's kind of like a personal preference i guess i just i love like that calm sort of watching like i i want to root for the kids you know like i'm just like i want to root for you and i want to uh, i don't know i want to adopt them <laughs> and hug them when they're like sad <laughs> so know, basically like, the high q effect yes yes yeah that's, yeah but yes 100 have you watched a show called ofri uh, big wind up. No, I oh, haven't. Wind -up. I haven't. Um, I think did I think G mentioned that one to me. Yeah, um, you might you might really love that one. Then I mean, it's about baseball, so it has to be good. Like <laughs> it will be enjoyable. Uh, I've been sitting on the manga for that for ages. I got the first two volumes for free like a year ago. Mm. Like, yeah, big wind up's definitely on my list too. Um, I think personally, what what I really like about the series in terms of its uh, in terms of the themes it tackles. I mean, first off, like I. I do agree that I think as far as being just a down-to-earth character drama, I think that's what this series excels at the most. But I, I, I think something that also grabbed me in the beginning is I, I, I really like the way the series tackles, like, that feeling of failure and, yeah. how the, and, and how, like, you know, when you fail at something that, like, 
you're really like I, I I like I like Sakurai's whole character I guess development arc whatever you want to call it of just him trying to find something that he could be passionate about again something that he can throw himself into but always having that fear of like well what if I screw up again or what if something happens uh so just 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 having that feeling in the back of my mind uh, in the back of his head that like that keeps him from wanting to pursue something well, I mean, you you get to see it actualized like right towards the end when there is an injury again. That I mean, that's such a good moment to have in this story, especially you know considering. Uh, I don't know if Kaito knew at that point when he was when he added that into the story, like if the series was going to wrap up. But it was such an important thing to include because he's confronted with like the same thing that took away. You know, something he had loved before, soccer, and now he's worried. Oh my God, have I? Am I responsible for taking a cross away from Misera? Is she going to lose the ability to play this thing that she loves so much? And have I failed as her manager and coach? And, you know, it's, that's such a good moment to be confronted with that. But then ultimately, you know, Misera is like, I still want to play because this is my only chance to play against these people and with this same team, like the third years are going to graduate. I want to see this through to the end. I can't be afraid of getting hurt if I want to do this. And that's a really cool message, too. And I think you know, the big culmination of Sakurai's character arc is like the final pages of the series where Namine asks him, Sakurai, are you happy? And we just have some silent panels. It's like Sakura just takes in what, you know, Namine said. And then he, like, thinks about, like, all the people he's met, like, all the connections he's made. And then we just see, like, these wonderful panels of, like, Misura, like, turning to him and looking at him and just smiling as she notices his smile. And then we cut to the photo of the entire team. It's just such a perfect, just, culmination of this idea that Sakura truly has found the thing that he can love Again, something that, you know, he is passionate about and that his life is so much better because of it. You know, he's really regained what he thought he lost and could never have again. And that was just such a poetic note to end the series on. I absolutely adore that moment. Ugh, oh, yeah. The feels. Sure. <laughs> oh, the feels. <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> I Look, I won't lie. I teared up. That really got me at the end. And, uh, you know, with, with a lot of these, like, canceled uh jump comics like you know a constant criticism that i think maxi and i have in particular whenever we cover these is that you know you can you can clearly tell that some of these are canceled because they they basically you know when when they when they know they've you know they're going to get canceled prematurely some of them basically throw out all their ideas out the window and they're basically trying to make a uh Try to make a move to be like, hey, well, uh, look, we're, we have to end because Shueisha told us we have to end. But here are all the crazy, big, wonderful ideas that we were going to tackle if we were to continue. Yeah. Uh, Takuma Kahara being, I think, the biggest offender of that uh, kind of thing. Oh, wait till um, we talk about Buddy Strike, Colton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, but I, um, I, I feel like cross-manage, at least compared to like, all the other series we talked about on the podcast before, like this compared with Stealth Symphony in particular, I think is a perfect example of an author who can make cancellation work for them. Cause yeah. like, cause, cause I feel like 
I mean, th- that that bookend with Sakurai's room in particular being filled with a bunch of lacrosse stuff and like photos of his of his team and his friends and whatnot, compared to the beginning where right after he possibly right after he gets his diagnosis about his leg, you know, he starts tearing down all his posters and just co- completely crashes his room. You know, just just that bookend of like where he is now compared to back then is so perfect. It's I, I, like on its own, it's such a great bookend to the series. But I don't think I think if if any other author were trying to tackle tackle this, I I I don't know. Like I feel like in any other situation, I don't think I don't think it would feel as earned. If that makes if that makes any sense, Kaito had a great grasp of the story that he wanted to tell and knew what elements to focus on so as to not distract from it. So I think he very cleverly picked and chose his battles into what he should include and then got to the important stuff very fast, particularly as the series was heading into, you know, its wrap-up and was heading into that final game against Toron. I think it was a very clever idea of Kaito to have, like, the first team that they face in the tournament, you know, be kind of not very important in terms of the game itself, but as establishing and building up that match with Toron and establishing and furthering, you know, the themes of the series of, like, that team lost all passion because they went up against Toron and they were utterly crushed. And so now they're just a shell of what they used to be. And then just have that fear at the back of their mind of, like, as they're going into that match, but, like, also being resolved to, you know, do their absolute best and come up with a strategy to use their strengths in a way to give them the best chance of victory. Like, he really know what to emphasize the most in terms of sticking to the core team, the series and having all the important events be built around that core team and not like distracting from that path. Yeah, it's all very methodical. So I think that he was able to come to that conclusion so naturally and effortlessly just because he had a great sense of where he needed the story to be at and like what was supported in the moment and like if the series if the story were to end at any moment, what note he would want it to end on. So he made it come together really, really well. Well, I think it's really potent that if you look at the series as a whole, it feels like there's very few things that are really missing that you would have expected to also be in there. Like maybe a a couple of other players on the team could have got a little short story focusing on them because we were kind of going through a few of them one by one. But like aside from that, it, it feels like a, a very complete work. It it connects itself to the beginning. It it loops well. Like that's um. You you almost wouldn't believe that it was something where it was uh, cancelled for low sales. Like, maybe Kaito was informed months in advance and was able to very carefully plan it all out. But it's just, it it's a very natural, complete work at five volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize until you all started saying that it was cancelled. I had no idea that this was a cancelled series. Like, it didn't feel like something that, um, you know he didn't get a chance to really flesh out. I mean, I've read other series that there's one that I'm thinking of and I cannot think of the name of it, but it ended in, it was canceled after like two volumes and it definitely felt like it was canceled. And the mangaka had to write a little 
extra at the end explaining like, hey, this was canceled. I didn't want it to be canceled. And I'm kind of sad. But you know, so <laughs> like, and I felt really bad for that mangaka. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I feel like this particular series just did not feel like it, it was canceled to me. So I was kind of shocked when y'all said that it was canceled, um, <laughs> like prematurely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best, you know, compliment we can give it is that it feels like a complete story and it reads like one. Like, I, yeah, you wouldn't really know something is off unless you had the context of its serialization in Jump and like that it was struggling in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I don't know as as far as like the barometer of like whether you could tell something is canceled is interesting because like in my mind, you know if 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 you're running in Jump and you didn't last more than like a volume or two, you were definitely canceled. <laughs> I mean, unless you were promoted as a miniseries, like yeah, ex- exactly. Most of Toriyama's post Dragon Ball, yeah, or like an All You Need Is Kill from uh, from back in the day with uh, Takeshi Obata doing the artwork and whatnot. That was an interesting. Oh yeah, but thing. I mean, young young, ju- young jumps full of short series. Well, I mean, that was designed as like a mini series. I mean, it was made to promote the movie. I don't know. I I feel like once you. I want to say in Jump in particular, once you like pass a year, like a full year of serialization, then like, then it's, then it gets a little harder to tell whether something was canceled or whether it was, it something was meant to end like, you know, uh, like actually around that point. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Robot Laser Beam wasn't meant to conclude when it did. <laughs> for uh, for context for listeners, you can usually tell science past a year because it will be six volumes or longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so always a useful little barometer for anyone who's uh, reading in volumes. Which, I mean, for stuff like cross manage, that's how you're going to be reading most of the time, unless you're using the Shonen Jump Vault. Yeah, and then yeah, Lum brought up uh, Robot Laser Beam, which I thought that only lasted a year. It lasted slightly more than a year. It was like sixty nine ish chapters. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pretty long time. Yeah, a nice run for what it was. But, I mean that that whole series was its own special sort of mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean that that's also a case where like you know you you have like, um, what, what, uh, I was trying to, I was gonna I was gonna say veteran, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. But they, they use veteran for if a person's had a previous success in the magazine. It's a it's a bit of a terrible term with I mean some sort of weird choice of usage. You probably could just have something like a. Like a previously published author, or whatever, but you know, you want a catchy one-word term, and you don't yeah. want to think about anyone else who would get called a veteran and think, "Hey, maybe this is slightly unbalanced." But yeah, a little. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, my point is, it, yeah, I, it's even uh, sometimes I can get kind of confusing because it's like, oh well, yeah, Fujimaki, you know, that was somebody who had a previously huge series, so clearly. You know, kind of like with Samurai 8, like, clearly it probably wasn't doing well, but they only let them go on for as long as they did because, hey, well, maybe this will pick up or maybe we can sell this on name recognition alone, that kind of thing. Well, the Samurai 8 comparison's, like, super valid as well because <laughs> Croco's... No, because Croco's Basketball also has a, a spin-off that uh, was being drawn by a different creator that was, like, ongoing at the time. Uh-huh. So they they they've got a lot of similarities in how it's like the the author of the main series coming back while a spin off is running and flopping like ooh <laughs> oh boy I can't wait to talk about both Robot Laser Beam and Samurai Eight on this podcast eventually I can wait 
um but yeah no going back to cross manage so i guess um a couple things i wanted to bring up as far as its run goes so i guess uh how how do we feel about like how uh, how this series handles its uh its secondary cast essentially like do do we feel like a lot of the characters got enough screen time and enough development or do you think i mean how 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 secondary are we talking like just anyone who isn't the main two members of the team you know besides Mizura, like all the other players i mean there are 12 players on the lacrosse team and there are 12 characters on the opponent's lacrosse team uh choron is doing where we like get the names of like all 12 and we get like more than just one character like being emphasized or getting any details about I feel like uh, with our main team with Fujioka, there are definitely some characters that get more focus and they actually get like their own little mini story. And then some characters fall by the wayside. Like I think that beyond Mizura herself, I think uh, Komatsu, the goalie, gets a lot. I think Saiga, like the main attacker of the team she gets a lot kaito is a character that gets focused on a bit and she has kind of like a good kind of full circle thing with her character arc too where like she like was afraid of like committing to something she wasn't good at and so she like runs away when things get too hard and so that's why she wanted to quit the team initially but sakurai managed to convince her during the training that you know that is that this is something that they can accomplish and so, you know, she comes back to the team along with the other characters who, you know, also were considering leaving. And then in the match against Choron, like, she does that great bluff against the other players, making it seem like she can cast, catch a Saiga's pass. And then, you know, she is, like, being taunted, saying, oh, you're not very good. Why are you even trying? And she's, like, saying, you know, I know I'm not good, but I'm not going to run away with this. I want to help my team. And then she does. She, you know, really uh, helps out on the pinch. So, like, that was a good moment. I'm not going to lie. That was legitimately one of my favorite moments in that volume. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I liked her story during the three-day weekend training thing in particular because, like, I, I I totally relate to that feeling of, like, you know, just constantly being in my own head, like, thinking about all the ways I'm going to fail a thing rather than just doing the thing. Like, yeah. it's so relatable. <laughs> Very much so. I think for me, um, I would have loved to have seen less of Chiyumi, Hayami, the girl that has a crush on uh, Sakurai. I would have loved to see less of her and more of any of the other uh characters like on from the team to be honest I like think that's oh, very fair because percent with you definitely feels like kind of more of a stereotypical rivalized character which i think kaito does a great job kind of subverting in blue flag so rereading the series i like see her character and i'm like wow there are a lot of vibes they get for characters in blue flag from her but you know i kind of still appreciate her because she does like you know, care about Sakura, and she is generally kind. She does help out Misura. She does console her when she's, like, worried that she's been causing problems for Sakura. Then she, you know, helps bandage her leg, ultimately. She's and so passive, though. I just, I she, think... She's so passive. Yeah, you she... know, I, I also appreciate that she, you know, is a real go-getter. Like, she, you know, wants 
Sakurai to Norzer. She wants to help him out. So she learns all she can about lacrosse, like, on top of being the soccer manager. You know, I gotta respect the hustle there. I mean, she's just one of those characters that I could have done without. Like, I feel like she was put in to kind of, like, um, you know, to add to... because. No, like regardless of gender, we all, well, not all of us, but a lot of us like to have a little love, you know, in our, in our stories. Um, cause we're human, humans for the most part, unless you're aromantic and all, you know, and all that, like we generally love to see love. And so she was kind of thrown in there to like add a rival, you know, but like, let's be real. Sakurai and Misora, like they are meant to be like that. Like yeah, that was gonna happen. <laughs> so we could have done without whatever, what's her name? Chiyumi. I don't even yeah. care what her name is. Like oh. she, like, <laughs> she could have just gone away. Like the whole time I was just like, really? I could do without this girl. Like, and it's not that she's a bad person. I just, she didn't really have a purpose. Like, she's the one character that I was like, why are you here? <laughs> like, go away. Go mind your business somewhere else. Go play soccer. I love the antagonism she has with Sakurai's friends, uh, Wakamoto in particular. <laughs> like, how whenever she tries to, like, you know, interact with him, they kind of, like, interject. Like, one of the funniest yeah. moments is that when she asks Seki, like, if uh, Sakurai around he says oh he's taking a massive dump he's drowning the toilet bowl as we speak <laughs> but like, the thing is like she she is just not a great love rival because again her whole thing is like she's passionate like oh maybe he'll notice if i do this or if i secretly learn all this stuff about lacrosse i can be impressive and stuff and it's it it's completely inactual you you gain nothing out of it other than that she doesn't get noticed which mm-hmm. isn't interesting right like a nomine as a love rival i think it's a lot more Interesting, because she's someone who doesn't seem to understand fully what she feels, but is constantly there and at it and being like, oh, I, I want to converse with this person. I want to learn about them, even with like some weirdly inane mm. questions. Like one of the bonus strips is, which is your favorite Power Ranger? And like, <laughs> I, I think that's got... A, a, that's got a lot of strength and interest to it because it's a slightly different approach to the very intuitive but singular topic-focused relationship forming between Sakurai and Misura, which like that to me is good but Chiyomi there's there's nothing there right uh, for me as a reader anyway I feel like Chiyomi could have improved as a character if the series had a chance to go on longer and like explore more of the characters and all the characters even deeper like I could definitely see the trajectory of Chiyumi perhaps, you know, really getting into lacrosse in of itself beyond just wanting to be with Sakurai and then also becoming like a co-manager of the team and using like her expertise as the soccer manager to help them out uh, even more. So I think that could have been like a good angle to take, especially since like she is like uh, eventually like someone that, you know, Mizura was able to like get like a, uh, another bit of confidence from like she helps bandage her leg and stuff so i think they could have also found like a good friendship as well like between those two you know beyond like being rivals for sakura's affections uh but yeah i mean and chiyumi is is like kind of more of a passive protagonist who isn't really uh successful in her effort she certainly uh now, in terms of aggressiveness, you're certainly not even as uh, successful as Juno from Beastars, let's say. <laughs> mm. <coughs> I mean, any any character can be good given enough time, really. Like, I, I, I think ultimately, even Ryu gets a moment where he's like 
all right, and he's pretty slimy as characters go <laughs> in the series. Oh, yeah, I mean, those are also good jokes at his expense, but I think one of my favorite r- running gags in the series is the shut up Taruki bit, where he's like, whenever yeah. his friend Taruki is like criticizing him, he's like, shut up Taruki! <laughs> and then that has a good payoff when Taruki is like genuinely like consoling him, saying, hey, you know, you and Sakurai are different people, it's okay that you don't understand what he feels and in this situation, you haven't done anything wrong, and then he just like says kind of bitterly, shut up, Taruki. And then <laughs> Taruki, like, rolls his eyes. <laughs> Funny payoff to I that. I mean, that, that whole, the whole Greek chorus of, like, uh, of those two and Seki and Wakamoto and that, like, they're, I think, really interesting as set because they are there purely to be commentary characters and they're all actually really aware that's what they are as mm-hmm. the series yeah. goes on. Yeah. There's a joke, a specific meta joke about that. Like, Seki's like, man, I wanted to be as cool a comedy character as Ryu yes. and they're like you think Ryu is cool but <laughs> exactly in exactly. terms of like deep like more thematic relevant aspects of Ryu's character I do think like this idea that he you know can't quite relate to this idea other characters have of like not being good at something but still wanting to play because he is someone who you know has always been a prodigy but he's noticed just from a sidelines how people you know they devote themselves so steadfastly to improving that they eventually you know lose their enjoyment and passion for the sport and they become bitter and resentful and he doesn't want to see that happen to Misera because what he appreciated about Misera is that she was someone who wasn't very good but you know even though she had sort of given up on herself he appreciated that she was so optimistic and that she you know generally did seem like she enjoyed just being able to do this thing so he wanted to kind of help her as much as he can even though he personally didn't believe that she could ever improve and then he does kind of feel a little resentful that Sakurai is able to give her that advice and that encouragement and help her in ways that he couldn't. So I think there was a really interesting character with Ryu there. And I think he does add to the series' teams in a good way. Yeah, I just didn't like him because I, mean, yeah, I thought he was not creepy. A really person. <laughs> That's totally fair. Like when 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 he was first introduced, I was I was really worried that he was going to be like um uh, sort of be like Gauche from uh, from Black Clover, where where it's like the overprotective older Ugh, brother type yeah. of character, oh, like a proper siscon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not entirely that, but he he gets pretty close sometimes, right? And I'm like, uh, boy, yeah. if you don't really restraining way, because he's like, oh no, she'll she'll never be good. Don't encourage her, sort of thing, which is like the worst. Sort I mean, of- yeah, he does put her down like right in front of her, and then she's like, oh, you stop. Like she takes it in stride, but like that is a pretty mean thing to say. Yeah, it, it, it's really weird because like, and I'm, this is not me excusing it, but like it, it's 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 presented in a way where it's like, oh, it comes it comes from a good place in a sense where like he doesn't. He doesn't want to see her sad or like yeah. frustrated, which is which I can kind of understand. But the way he goes about it is pretty pretty awful, honestly. I mean, so, some of the uh, the shittiest behaviors from actual people come from thinking they're doing something good oh, for yeah. someone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I mean, hey, verisimilitude. That's that's something there at least. Believability. It's what the series yep, is good at. Exactly. Um, <laughs> overall, on the on the characters, like on a sort of more blanket statement, at least with the girls. I feel like how good they are as characters is often down to how much of a comedy design they are as well. Because, like, say you've got uh, uh, Rurie Tanaka, who's, like, 
one of one of the two big girls, but her whole thing is, oh, she's got this very big head, like she's almost a scribble for a face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I feel like she's treated less interestingly than Ichino Noto is, who is also a larger girl, but she gets more of a, a catch arc. Her design's more serious and she like goes through slowly over the series as well. I like it's not an extreme sudden change, but she like slowly has her weight and form change. I liked how that was um taken care of um you know because weight for for girls and women is a very sensitive subject um and i i think that her character was handled so well because it's it was realistic like she didn't go from you know kind of chubby to like a stick you know she didn't diet like she didn't diet well i don't think she did i don't quite i don't quite remember um, I don't think it's she supposedly exercise. It, it wasn't like a huge, like it wasn't like a yeah. big emphasis. It was more so she worked. She was she was playing and she was working and you know and it kind of happened naturally and gradually. And I really liked how that was um, portrayed. And it wasn't portrayed as if like oh like you have to lose weight in order to be attractive. But it was just like I don't know. I, I felt like it was done pretty well because sometimes that can be not handled so well and it's all and it makes me uncomfortable in a whenever it's a series that's geared toward boys um it can make me uncomfortable because it's like giving these is giving young people young boys this idea of like what beauty is and like what they should you know go after and it kind of it's like this circular thing where then uh, girls end up thinking that's what they have to do in order to like attract boys. It's like this whole thing. And I, it was nice to see that that wasn't really the focus. You know, if that, I don't know if that makes sense at all. Oh, but- no, I, <laughs> no, I, I think one of Rossmanage's yeah. greatest strengths and one thing that makes it very special is that it's a female driven sports series where all the characters have very different body types and they are all treated very equally respectfully. There are no jokes made at the expense of anyone appearance or anything and kaito has such empathy for all his characters and that's a consistent thing in all of his series that i really love and i love that he can draw such diverse different characters and all sorts of different styles even have like cartoony looking characters among you know more normal manga style type designs that's something i also really love it's a good comparison to series like Silver Spoon, which has mm, like yes. a, a, a large female character where she almost comically burns all her weight and changes, and it's a gag to go, "Ha ha! Look, this character's weight has changed." And I, I despise that sort of thing in comics because it's it's such lazy, low hanging fruit, and it, it is a value judgment of people. Often, who are your actual audience? Because like a, a lot of shonen stuff is read like significantly by women mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. And like that, that shit can get in your head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as some, like now, granted, I I've already mentioned that I'm quite small. I've always been very thin, so I don't have I I don't have that experience of like you know, um, having to deal with being like basically fat shamed and things like that. But even on my end, you know, there is like with the, with being flat chested, you know, it was nice to read a story where like a flat chested girl. Um, kind like first of all, the flat-chested girl is like the the main love interest, <laughs> like which is <laughs> nice to see because usually you know you have like the super busty curvy girls, you know, and it's like oh okay, <laughs> what about what about us, you know? But 
you know, it was just nice to see like different body types and to see how, how realistic they were and how, how much respect was given to all of them. Um, and oh, yeah. yeah, just like as a woman reading that, it was like, this is so refreshing. Like, ugh. Even like the even the characters that were kind of like the like there was I forget her name but the character who was kind of like the sexy character she was hilarious oh, yeah, and the she flirty was flirty character yeah, yeah she, she was, was like super funny. flirty she was but it was funny and I know people like that I'm like that when I'm drunk so <laughs> I'm like yeah like I, <laughs> I totally like I feel like you can have like a flirty kind of like sexual character um, or female character and it be realistic and funny and done in a in a good way and I totally was like ugh I don't hate her like I think she's funny and I don't know I just I have so much love for all of these characters and I feel like after this after we finish recording I'm probably going to reread this because it's so like <laughs> us. I, just yes, I think it's a testament to the series itself that like it has like uh like such a wide female cast and like you have the main male character is like the manager but like it's not treated as like a like a harem series um and that's what like helps like each of the the characters feel like actual people because they're not like all pining after the same person or whatever and like the fact that um sakurai takes his job as a manager seriously like managing people's health and like making sure that they, they put in like the effort that they have to um to get good but not to the point of like destroying your body like he did because that's always weighing on his mind. Oh, yeah, I mean that's definitely another theme is that like overwork is not useful either. Because one of the re- reasons Sakurai, you know, ended up damaging his knee is because he overpracticed while he was going through a goat spurt, so that was straining his knees. And so that's another cool thing that I like that the series addresses that you can work hard at something, but you can do it inefficiently in a way that won't help you and could actually actively hurt you i mean that's kind of like one of the things that we kind of see like in the first chapter even is that misra has been working hard all this time like practicing like in the rain and on on unstable ground and then she slips and gets hurt and like sakura is like what are you doing don't put yourself at risk like this Right. But also he loves her. Like let's just let's just throw that oh, out yeah. there. Like he's oh, yeah. <laughs> like I can't get away. We don't we don't really get closure on that either, which is kinda of funny. It's, like, it's so clear that they love uh, each other, but you you never see them really become an item. Yeah. And I mean we get the indication it'll go that way in the last chapter, which was like the special chapter published after the series concluded its uh, jump run, where it's like the summer training camp and we see like Sakurai give Mizura a gift in like this uh, little hairpin that she wears and you get this idea that they will eventually you know make progress and become a couple like it ends with like Wakamoto saying just date her already and so you get the sense that that is in their future and I actually like I, I wonder if I'm sorry go ahead yeah no 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you I was, I was, I was gonna agree <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I like that it ended, like, I like that we didn't get that, like, okay, we're going to kiss now or whatever. Like, I like that it kind of ended because they're in high school, you know, like, let's be, let's be honest. Like how many, okay, but let me preface this by saying that I did marry uh my, like, I my husband and I met our first year of college and we are still together. So, I mean, that aside, most people don't marry like they're 
um, or stay with their high school sweetheart or, you know, their college sweetheart. So it feels a lot more realistic to kind of like, you're kind of wondering, like, are they going to get together? It's high school. It's not that serious. So I kind of liked that, you know, I, I liked that they didn't have that moment of like, oh, we love each other because yeah, it's not that realistic, but it would have been nice. I mean, as a fan of romance, like it would have been nice. To have like a back hug or something like. <laughs> <laughs> see, so like you, you can't see, but I am buzzing in my seat as you're saying this because Kaito has just finished the latest series, Blue Flag, and the ending of that series is. Oh yeah. I, I I'm not going to spoil it for yeah, anyone don't, listening. Don't spoil I refuse to. <laughs> but the but the ending of that series is so incredibly relevant to this very idea that like school is a separate part of your life and yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Okay, no, I absolutely. Need to read with it. that in mind. Oh, oh my god. Oh yes. Oh. Yes. Kaito has like 500 IQ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I need to read it. I've oh. seen people talking about it. Like, I've been avoiding Twitter because I've seen people talking about it. And I was like, nope, nope, I don't want spoilers because I will probably read this. So I've been kind of avoiding it. But okay, okay. Well, I think I think the print editions have finally started coming out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure eventually, like, once it's, once it's completed, it'll all be on the Shonen Jump app and whatnot, hopefully, so, yeah. It's gotta. It's just a nice, tidy eight volumes. It's it's gonna be a good time, let me promise you all that. Oh, gosh. Uh, just just what, what, one more, like, ancillary note about the about some of the side characters that I wanted to make uh, that uh, not probably not everybody on the call is gonna get, but I just want to put it out there. Um, Sugita, the, uh, the advisor for the club... He's clearly just Chuma Sensei from Skep Dance, right? You know, very yeah. similar vibes in design, I would agree, yeah. Except except he's not a mad scientist on the side. Well that 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 sort of slacker teacher who isn't fully involved. It, it's a real character type. I yeah. knew you were gonna hit on this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh how do you guys feel that, that it's almost in here small enough to not really be worth mentioning, but I find it interesting regardless. How do you all feel about the fan service in CrossManage? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> so a lot of people tend to be surprised when they hear this. I have always been a huge fan of fan service. Um, wow. Which is very surprising. People are always like so surprised. And I'm like, y'all, I, I read hentai. Like, why yeah. <laughs> Why are you surprised? So I mean, you, you, you did mention that up front, I think off mic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. and, you, and yeah. you said you so, read Boot Wars too, so. Yeah, and yeah, true, yeah, I was like a huge... Uh, well, which is by a former pornographer, so it all... Right, it all exactly. <laughs> and the only reason I stopped reading Food Wars is because it got too... It's too long. Like, I don't typically love to follow, like, super long series, um, unless it's just like really, really good. And I was just like, eh, but I was a huge fan of Food Wars. And so for me, like, I don't mind fan service. I don't think it was done gratuitously in, in CrossManage. Um, I found it, I don't know, I found it cute. Like, I was just like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I was totally fine with it. I don't, I don't think, I, I know everyone's going to have different opinions, but for me, it wasn't. It wasn't bothersome. It didn't feel like it was full on like etchy or anything like that. It felt to me like something that if I'm putting myself in the shoes of the general target audience, which again is likely like my son, you know, 14 year old boy, I could see him enjoying that and like, and I would be okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess like I'm yeah, putting I myself in that position and I, like, 
which I mean, all I don't know. Also, like, the, not that this is not that this matters, but I am bisexual, and so like, fourteen year old me would have also really loved that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, I'm fine with it. You know, I think like half of us can really. <laughs> oh yeah, no. This is like an excessively uh, queer grouping of people. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like it, it's it's super understated, which is super interesting. Uh, but like I, I really found I, I don't know why I, I keep thinking so much about how much I appreciate this as a touch. But when it does repeatedly the gag of uh, of Sakurai walking and on the girls changing, they have like quite well designed lingerie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you can see some effort went in. Like there's some cute designs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I. I was gonna, yeah. See, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was, I was really, I think it really says something about the series where I have to legitimately search through my mind and think, where, what fan service moments are we talking about? I mean, the one the- that <laughs> sticks out to me is how Sakurai encounters Namini for the first time, seeing her butt stick out of a bush. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is probably the only one that I thought was a little much. Well, look, if, if you're not into butts sticking out of bushes, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought that was just like a generally funny scene. Like, oh, there's a butt sticking out yeah. of the bush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be inherently sexual, but it depends on I how mean, you read the scene. I mean, he really detailed those jeans. The yeah, they were. Yes. <laughs> Her butt was definitely very well, like, cupped in those jeans. I was jealous. I was like, hmm. I feel like in terms of fan service, the, the the stuff that stuck out to me personally was just when when they had their little study group at at Saiga's house. There were definitely some shots there, like of Aya in particular, you know, the team flirt, and uh, and there there is a shot of Saiga just kind of in her uh, in her tank top and shorts, and we do get some shots there. But I mean, I I didn't I think that was like the weirdest I felt, but at the same time, it it didn't feel completely gratuitous, like. Because uh, because we're supposed to see that scene through the point of view of Sakurai, who is who is a uh, I'm gonna say like 14, 15 years old. I don't know. He's, like, he's a, like a teen boy. He, he's a yeah. teenager. I like I, I could I could see him. I could see his line of vision. You know, uh, uh, going all sorts of ways. You know, like I don't think that was necessarily. I don't think that was necessarily like a bad thing personally. It's but like I don't know. it's not exploitative at any yeah. point. Right, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because we have to like. I I do think that sometimes we can get a little I don't want to say sensitive is not the the right word. Basically what I'm trying to say is like it is okay for um for people to notice things that they might find attractive about the opposite well, I don't even want to say opposite sex, about the person that you're attracted to because you know, I believe that there are so many different genders. So but yeah. anyway, exactly. um, but like, you know, and again, I'm coming at this, like, from the point of view um, of a, a mom of, I have two sons, you know, a 14 year old and a six year old. And I, I don't ever want them to feel like shame in thinking someone is attractive. It's how you, it's what you do with that. Like, you know, you can think, you can think someone's attractive. Don't assault them, like don't be creepy, you know. And I feel like yeah. so. There's no shame in admiring like th- uh, a a woman or a girl's body or whatever. Um, there's no shame in actually thinking about sex. Yeah, no one violates the line of consent in uh, right. This, yeah, yeah. Like, it's all about levels of exploitation, isn't mm-hmm, it? And mm-hmm. Stuff like this is pretty unsaid. Like, I mean, again, I'm saying this was uh, a. a the world's number one fan of the manga series, Adultery Restaurant. <laughs> so, uh, that sounds amazing. So, like, 
it's pretty great. Uh, so, like, a, a, a little bit of horny is it's pretty healthy yeah, in comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, re- regardless of audience, unless, like, you're going way too young. Right. But, like, so that I, I kind of appreciate that it was here without feeling like it was out of place with what the story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this felt different to something like We Never Learn, where it's like yeah. the, fans, the fan service in that always feels intrusive. Yeah. It's almost jarring compared to how, like, some of the emotional moments it tries to reach. And it yeah. does reach them, but it's, it's just jarring. With the emotional moments. Like, you have, like, a really emotional scene happening, and then you have a shot that is, like, emphasizing or exaggerating a part of their anatomy. And it's like, come on, man. Focus on the emotional part. I, I mean, Crossmatch is, like, so focused, though, just on the uh, emotional core of it and doesn't, like, get distracted or uh, exploitative with fan service that it's really not much of an issue, I feel. Like, the few moments that it happens, it kind of makes sense in context. And yeah. it, even, like, the like one of the reasons that Sakurai <laughs> for, is kind of cajoled into becoming the manager is there's an accidental boo grab joke where he accidentally <laughs> you know grabs Misera and then she like guilts him and blackmails him into becoming the manager initially and so you know the series like has such strong emotional theming that it even makes you kind of forget like that's kind of the initial uh impetus there right but it's also a genuinely kind of funny joke because it was accidental and then it kind of gets laid off in an interesting way with the whole idea that he's a blacksmith. So that's pretty funny. That was actually pretty funny, yeah. One of the few boot grab jokes that was actually kind of comedic. I mean, you know, I hear a lot of people, like, a lot of people hate the boob grab joke. I am not particularly bothered by it. I, maybe I'm a weirdo, but it's just one that, I, like, when I see it, sometimes, like, I'll just kind of roll my eyes, but I'm never just, I don't know. I guess I just, it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, that's fair. I think, <laughs> I think most people are bothered by it just because at this point it's really cliche and it's been overdone. Yeah, I can see that. Right. Also, when it's like exploitative, like the worst kind of fan service is at the expense of usually in the, it's a girl. And it's right, like right. they're being very embarrassed and feeling like their privacy has been violated. And so Crossmanage doesn't have moments like that here where it really feels like, again, people's consent are be- is being violated. Right. Oh, yeah, like the boob grab moment's such an obvious accidental schmush. And it's like it's drawn like that as well that it, it doesn't even rate. And for the most part, like, as, as, as long as they're done well, I'm, I'm not a post them in most stories and that it's all down to again it's all it's all execution mm-hmm. right yeah that's fair so i i guess i guess something i wanted to ask about because we we talked about some of the paneling earlier um you know i'm i'm very mixed on kaito's paneling so far really not 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 that i don't think it's like good because i do think it is good but i also wonder because uh, Kaito does this thing where uh, I I forget who I think it was Marion who brought it up earlier about how you'll have like the central focused moment and then you'll have other moments that are kind of like happening like in the background like I, I think in particular I forget what was happening but I do remember there was a scene where uh, there were a bunch of small panels of like of Seki trying to bring uh, Chiyumi back down to Earth as she realizes like oh I'm nowhere near I'm nowhere in Sakurai's uh, 
radar at all as like a love interest. Um, and just, just like really small moments like that. Like there are so many small moments in cross manage that I think are really, really absolutely hilarious. Like, like too, too many to count, honestly. Like there are so many times where I was just like, man, I really want to post about this, but there's just like, there's just so many of them that I can't even like keep track of them. And usually they're done well, but I also can't help but feel like, again, just as a newcomer to Kaito's work, I also can't help but wonder if maybe some pages could be kind of cluttered because of that. Does anyone else feel that way sometimes? I feel that might be something Kaito improves on later. Because reading Wufag, I always feel like there's such a great sense of space in that series. Things don't really feel cluttered to me when I'm reading that. Here, I could definitely see, like, I think it's really down to a use of contrast. Like, I don't think that there is as sharp a uh, distinction between the whites and blacks in the cross match as there is in uh, Blue Flag in particular. So I think that's what kind of adds to that cluttered feel that the grays kind of muddle together in the series sometimes when it's like an overly detailed background. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And especially, like, just like in the first chapter alone, there's, like, some pages that have, like... Uh, okay, let's just look at... Uh, I'm going to like a random page in the first volume, like uh, page 72. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine panels. And then like mm-hmm. there there are pages that um in the same chapter are just going to be like maybe like one huge like single page spread or like uh like just two two big panels with like focus or something. I think mm-hmm. it's like intentional. Um, yeah, like that's that's comics design. It's all about making you feel the amount of uh, the breathing space needed between everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what helps a lot is that a lot of those big, huge like panels that take up like a lot of space that there's a lot more um, like white space. And then like Maxi said, like breathing room. Um, and it's just mm, it, it, it's a little hard to get used to, I would say. But it's definitely something that I think is more, I would say, like welcome in, in something like jump manga because of the fact that like a lot of. There's, there's like we're used to like action series and just like a lot of like uh like action panels and stuff like screen tones with like lines showing like directions and stuff. But then mm-hmm. this is a lot more. It feels more experimental. The tone reminds me a lot of uh like especially early on with like the character moments of stuff like maybe like an Inio Asano manga, but like not as you know how Inio Asano gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I feel like a, a lot of the sort of paneling you're talking about, well, first of all, like, I'm coming to this from the UK. We have, like, Judge Dread Magazine 2018 and stuff, which can have, like, 12 to 15 panels a page. So, like, <laughs> you know, clean yourself up, scrub man. Like, you just don't know how it goes. Um, but the, the, the sort of paneling you get in a series like this is really reminiscent of a lot of Chojo uh, and Jose that I read like you'd see this sort of thing in like a pochamani or nagi's long vacation and stuff like it's all about levels of intimacy like things like a a small gang aside would get very little space because it doesn't really matter but when you're trying to have someone almost having like a a blunt reaction to something you give that half a page like it's fairly traditional uh, comics paneling just not by the standards of the magazine it's running in which is probably kind of part of the problem that the series had hmm yeah, I can see that. I mostly bring it up because one, it was um, I didn't necessarily have like a problem with it, but it was it, it sometimes it, it did get to the point where I'm like, man, I'm spending a lot of time on this page or whatever on any particular page. And two, I throughout my whole reading of this, I kept trying to think like, well, what what was the like, what were the reasons that maybe this was cut short? 
because th- that's something we always like to kind of explore on these podcasts as well is I think we uh, I-, I think we talked about it on uh, I mean most of them but like we-, we usually like to talk about like you know even though we like we-, we-, we may like a certain series we're talking about you know there are reasons why it may or may not have gotten cut short and we kind of have to like we kind of have to like basically place ourselves in the shoes of the readers who maybe weren't into uh, whatever series was running and kind of think like, well, why did they drop it? Like, why wasn't it for them? And th- and that's all I could really kind of think of during certain points was, well, you know, this is so like, again, I, uh, I, I think it's safe to say this is like the most solid uh, short lived jump manga I've ever read, really, outside of Stealth Symphony. Uh, and I'm just thinking, like, well, what was what was the thing that got it canned? You know, like, what were some of the reasons it might have gotten canned? Like, you know, yeah, I think this is definitely like it's like part of it, um, but it also applies to uh, like this specifically, like what we're talking about, like the paneling and the art and how like it's like split up on the page. I think this also like applies to like both like the reception that it had from the readers, which um, like this. I this just from like the content itself and like the tone of it. Uh, if I feel like it casts a very wide net, um, in terms of just like yeah, this is like a magazine for like young boys, but obviously like young girls also read it for like the series with like all the cute boys or like the sports <laughs> series and stuff. But um, I think uh the the quote that uh Maxi brought up from uh, Osamu Akimoto about how sometimes you just need something a little different from everything else, like. This was definitely, I think at the time, something that helped it like stand out a bit just in terms of like what every everything else was running in the magazine. Um, mm-hmm. And probably like just by the time that it like outlived its like uniqueness, I guess, um, it was also a time for for like the story to wrap up. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, like a matter of like context, I think. Oh, like, there's like there's a total bummer possibility here related to that quote. Um, a, a big reason this might have ended is that about two months before it concluded, a series called Soul Catchers started, which, uh, again, almost ran a year, very niche, about, like, a very niche subject as well, because it's um, conducting music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, when you have another series come along that's about something unusual, that's got a small audience, but is still connecting with people, you think, oh, well, what's the series that has to go now? We've got this, the last series we had to do that. Well, my mind was also kind of thinking... You know, Haikyuu debuts two months after this. That's also a series with very similar strengths and vibe. Haikyuu debuted a, a good while before this. Oh, did it? Like, about thir- about 30 weeks before, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. I wonder that maybe just having two similar series at the same time, like, Haikyuu was probably picking up the same time, Cross Manages is kind of falling off. And also, looking at the year of 2012, Thinking of the other big hits in that year, we have Classroom and we have Food Wars. Like, definitely, this was Cross Manager's more low key premise compared to the wackiness of those series and uh, even Psyche Kuso. A Food Wars kind of blew away everything that debuted around it, oh, other yeah. than World Trigger, you know? Like, there's a big old fucking wormhole <laughs> that absorbed everything else. Uh, one of one of my favorite series of all time, a rookie policewoman, Kilko san, debuted the week before it and did relatively okay. It's still got a reputation to this day. But like Food Wars, that sucked all the air out of that. That like had a rapid demise because like the conversation around it lasted one week and then everyone was like, oh my god, have you seen this thing instead? <laughs> Which to be fair, Food Wars stands out, you know, like for better or worse, it is there and you do not forget it exists no, ever. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I'll say this: like, it's uh, compared to everything else we've covered on this podcast up to this point, it's been so easy to kind of to kind of pinpoint like you know why why a series fails, but you know with cross manage again, like it's it's like what Aisha said, you know, like you you could easily you could easily read cross manage without any of this any of this knowledge and still and still get a pretty satisfying story out of it you can still enjoy it this is like um like thinking back to like lum compared it to like haikyuu a bit or just like the the fact that they were serialized around the same time but i think like at least haikyuu like it leans into a little bit of like the hot-bloodedness when it comes to like the, Mm -hmm. the matches and like drawing them out a bit yeah um and it gives it it focuses i believe equally on both like the matches and like the pre and post match content and how like the characters uh interact which is like definitely like the biggest strength that uh the series has i think um mm-hmm. i talk about haikyuu all the freaking time <laughs> 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 what makes cross manage stand out on its own is that i would compare it more to like a like a mitsuru adachi series because yeah. like mm. it it's not specifically about like <gasps> the sport itself but like mm-hmm. uh relationships yeah, it's like it's about it's like a character drama with like the, yeah, the sport um, as window dressing. Yeah, it's um, and this episode may or may not be out by the time this is out, but yeah, we recently just did a podcast on Chihayafuru. I think Chihayafuru is more focused on the games. We definitely spend more time with them, but yeah, that's also another series about like relationships and like character growth through playing a game. Yeah, and, and like their passion for the sport. But isn't that one cons- like isn't it categorized um in the Jose demographic? It is, it is, but it's still very much like a, you know, passionate sports manga. Right. And I, but I think that demographics do kind of play a part in this because to me cross manage like I said earlier like it feels a lot more like a shojo or a Jose as far as like dem- like it felt like that's it felt like people in that demographic would gravitate toward it more so I wonder if maybe because Shonen Jump is <laughs> Shonen Jump, like maybe it didn't last because it doesn't quite fit into the typical Shonen Jump. Um, mm. You know, like I, I don't, I usually. You know, I, that, I think that could be a part of it too, definitely. I think maybe it just wasn't hitting the right audience. Yeah. It wasn't, like, like put in the place where it could find the best audience. I think maybe if it had even run in Jump Plus, it might have seen more success. Mm, I just, yeah, I just feel like maybe if it had a slightly older audience, even if it was like seinen, like considered, you know, seinen, like just a slightly older audience, which again, we, I talk about demographics ad nauseum. Like I, I get annoyed <laughs> because people will conflate like demographics with genres and that's mm, annoying. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, but I do think in some cases, demographics do matter as far as like, um, you know, like, you might like a series might do better if it is marketed toward an older audience. And that doesn't mean that younger people can't read it because obviously it's a high school story, but there are some high school stories that I do think would do better if they are first marketed toward an older audience. Um, I'm thinking of things like, I don't know, like Paradise Kiss. This is <laughs> totally different, but that's like, it's a Jose, but the characters start out in high school. And I think that it's so loved because it is something that older people can read and not feel weird about reading. Cause it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it tackles things that I might remember from my 
high school years, but then high schoolers can also read it and relate to it. So I, I wonder if maybe the the demographics were kind of off for cross manage because I don't know, I feel like it definitely had like a, a slightly more mature feel. And it's a and like you said, it's a character drama. And I do think that tr- character dramas tend to do better um in like older with, magazines. Yes, yes. Um, because, you know, younger people, they want the action and that's not, that's not bad. And I know it's not like across the board, but typically, you know, younger people, um, want to, they want that action. They want that, um, you know, those overpowered characters and. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's very much the Shonen Jump brand. Yeah. I have to wonder if, even if this ran in say Sunday, would it have done? More better considering the yes, no, for, for the ball to me, please. I'm I'm ready for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you definitely have a point, Aisha, because like even like the more what people call like atypical jump series, like mm-hmm. Death Note or Promised Neverland mm-hmm. or stuff like that, like they still have something very jump about them. Mm-hmm. In yeah. that, like, uh, there's always something moving forward. Yeah. Um, I'd say like uh, even like like Promised Neverland, it's about like uh, there, there's always like they're moving toward their goal, and like yeah. the main mm-hmm. character has like some kind of quality that like goes back to that whole like friendship effort victory thing oh yeah it all comes back to that yeah it, it really does like like emma is like very uh, like she's like plucky and like yep. very mm-hmm. uh like go getter optimistic ultimately yeah. does succeed she's naruto <laughs> basically <laughs> i mean she's, she's basically like a female goku almost yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm just I thinking mean, of Goku with a gun now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. But yeah, like this is uh, because this was like a little more, like you said, like mature series. Uh, it does have like, like the whole like last two volumes is like that match, but it was never really like geared up for like that as like the end all be all of the series. Like at the end of the day, it's about like, okay, uh, so you you've discovered something new and you enjoy it. Does it matter if you're good at it or not? Do you want to be good at it or not? Will it affect how you feel about the thing that you love? And right. it, like tackling those kinds of themes are there's something kids don't really care about because th- that's not something that they think about. Right? No, not at all. That that's like the kind of thing you kind of think back more on as an adult almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even speaking of Chihai Fruit, those are teams explored in that series, and I love Chihai Fruit so oh, much. Oh yeah. And I think, yeah, that those are more mature, self-reflective themes that you only think as, like, you grow older and you kind of become more introspective. And, yeah, I mean, it's like most uh, shonen sports action series are always focused on the next moment and the next victory. Yeah, like, like constantly, picture. like, progression. Like, yeah. what is what is next? What is coming up? Whereas the core conflict in Cross Match is, again, just this balance between playing something you enjoy and can you continue playing if you keep losing, which is kind of like the whole core final conflict when they play Choron and Namine, because Namine is, as a character represents someone who is just very good at something. She's not particularly interested or passionate at all. But she's good and she always wins. And so, you know, the whole goal is to prove to her that they can win while enjoying playing. Like, both are essential and they don't have to be in opposition to each other. So, I think it's a very powerful kind of core theme to the story. I love that. And especially how it was, like, uh, just, like, juxtaposed with, like, Misura Mm -hmm. and, like, her struggle to, like, get good. 
yeah, she's mm. like she's a gamer. Get good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, um, yeah, no, like that's such a that's such a powerful idea too. Just because like my personal experience, uh, like as I was talking about with like playing handball, like I discovered the sport in like like my freshman year of high school, and it was something that I just played like during lunch and like after school because I needed something to do. Uh, because like most most kids in my school had like a like an extracurricular activity mm-hmm. or like a like a club to do or something. And like my high school, I had no friends from like my middle school. It was like in a different, I, it was like in the Bronx and everyone mm-hmm. else went uh, somewhere in Manhattan or Brooklyn. So like mm-hmm. uh, I had to like find new people to hang out with or whatever. And like I found many different circles to like associate with or whatever, but like I was always drifting between them. And when I found out about like handball, I'm like, oh, all right, uh, this looks like something I could do in my free time or whatever. But then like I slowly got hooked on it. And I also like, I experienced a lot of the frustration that um, the soccer I did because of the fact that like, okay, like I, I know, I know how to play. I know how to get better. And like, ultimately, like what I did was uh, I was like, I was playing like tons of people. uh, And like, at one point, like I did like overexert and like, Mm -hmm. I, I got like a knee injury and it like, it really broke me because I wanted to like try out for like the, the singles team or like the doubles team that we had. Uh, it was like, cause it's an intramural sport, but, uh, we still had competitions with other schools. Um, and like that took me like a whole year to like recover. And mm-hmm. by the time that I got back, like I was like a decent player, but then like my skill like deteriorated from like my absence and I was struggling to really look for reasons to like continue playing or like associating with people that I, I befriended during that time. Mm-hmm. But then like, I, I knew that I still like, I still had feelings for like, I, I really want to like continue. And like, I really, all that time that I spent, I didn't want it to like go to waste, even though like personally like, now that I'm older, I don't think any of that time would be wasted if I had chosen something else. Um, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's like what you do in the moment that, uh, uh, you can, you can decide if that, that was a good decision or not. But, um, I did end up going back to it. And like, I ended up like, not tutoring, but like, like helping like coach out uh, some of the, the, the newer players from like, by the time I was like a senior, I was helping out like freshmen and sophomores. And like that, I found that very fulfilling. And like Mm -hmm. seeing my, my journey, like mirrored through like what Sakurai was doing in, in the manga was like, man, this was like, I read this in like, I think like 2015. And then I was like, wow, like it felt like so long ago, but that's just like the passage of time. Like as you have like some hindsight on like, uh your experiences in high school i think that's what makes reading those kinds of stories carry that kind of like not just nostalgia but also uh like appreciation for like the stuff uh that you were able to accomplish Mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean you're talking to someone who my i will be 34 on my birthday in may and i have a 14 year old so he's in that age range of you know, like these characters. And so it's like, it's very interesting, like reading these types of things and thinking about like reflecting back to my high school years of like when I was a cheerleader and I, you know, ran track and I, <laughs> I was doing what I know I said, I'm not athletic. I'm not anymore. I used to be. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so like, but then seeing like my son, like, he, you know, plays soccer, which he's not playing soccer now because of Corona um, that got canceled. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he plays soccer and like watching his journey with that. It's just it's easy for me to, to you know, to really read these things and get like nostalgic and, int- you know, introspective. And I I love 
that about cross-manage. And I think that's kind of why I feel like it would have done maybe better in like a magazine that was geared toward a slightly older audience because there is that that feeling that I think when you're in that age range, you don't appreciate it as much because you're not you're not you're just not there yet. And that's okay. You're not because, as introspective at that point. Yeah, right. Like 14 year olds, 15 year olds, 16 year olds are just not really like the, what do you have what do you have to be introspective about? Like when you were when you were five? <laughs> like, Man, I remember when I was a baby. <laughs> right. Which actually is a thing that happens in a lot of manga. Oh, like back in middle school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, like that was last year. <laughs> like when I was a kid, when I was a kid in middle school, I'm like, you're still a kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, That's pretty great. Um, can, can I can I just say I, I really enjoy having you, Aisha, and Marion on oh, yeah. uh, for this discussion just because I, I feel like – because usually Maxie and I kind of tackle these kinds of things on our own as like, uh, you know, whenever Lum can't join for the show or whatnot. But like, I'm, I'm really glad to have you guys on for these, um, uh, to bring these perspectives to the table. Otherwise, I don't think our, I don't, I don't think the discussion would be nearly as good if we're just me and Maxie this time around, honestly. Oh, that makes me so happy. No offense to us and Maxie, but yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no I'm, I'll take this on the chin. It's fine. It's okay. Actually, <laughs> um, no, I love you. Come back. These perspectives have been have been really interesting because it, it's again, it's completely different walks of life to uh, to ourselves. I think, and I, I think that's crucial, especially with a series like this. Um, I, I keep thinking with Crossmanage, uh, they were talking about how uh, how hard it is for something in this sort of demographic to really do what it's doing. Uh, Shonen Sunday has a series that's able to do pretty much the same stuff as what Crossmanage is doing now, but with the caveats that it's had to be a sequel to, like, a <laughs> massively long and popular baseball series, and it's had to spend its entire first series focusing on young boys doing young boy stuff, but there's a series now called Major Second. Its second series of its anime has just started, and it's immediately gone out the gate. Here is a cast of a majority women playing baseball. It's very introspective as to the thoughts and feelings, different walks of life they come from. The designs are diverse. Like there's there's a healthy variety, a clear main romance, so it avoids becoming haremish. Like it, it, if people like Cross Manage check out Major Second from the second series forwards. The first series, you know, it's good, but you won't really get that same. It's not like this. And that, and that's what it's taken for it to actually be successful in a magazine, like successful, is like all these extra caveats. Because again, it's a hard sell for teenagers. It really is. Uh, well, teenage boys in particular. Yeah. yeah. Pretty God, much. I need to watch Major Second. I Yes, you do. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. I just need to get into Major in general. I've heard really good things about that series. I need to watch um, every baseball out there. <laughs> every baseball <laughs> anime yeah. out there. Like every Mitsuru Adachi manga. I'll get into a baseball thing one day. <laughs> huh. I'll find a way. I'll sell you on as many as possible. It's... Oh no, Ma- Maxie, you you have sold me. I just haven't gotten around to them yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've done your job. <laughs> We should uh, review another manga that has cross in the title, Cross Game, an Adachi manga about baseball. I don't have those volumes. I just, I need motivation to read them. (laughs) (laughs) 
I read so many baseball series, I have not read like a single Mr. Adachi series. Really? And like, oh, that's you poser. Wow. the baseball guy. I'm surprised. I just know the legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, I, and I really hate to do this, but I think we should start wrapping up here pretty soon because we, we do have Twitter questions. But, uh, but, but before we do, I think. I mean, you know, we we can usually I like to kind of take a moment to be like, well, do we all recommend this thing? I think it's pretty safe to say we recommend cross manage. I feel yeah, <laughs> we're all pretty wholehearted. Yes. <laughs> I got my like, thumbs up and my toes up. My, my big toes. <laughs> I mean, get get it for all these amazing reasons we've said. And also get it for Komatsu, who I failed to talk about this entire time, but who is like one of my favorite characters in anything ever now. Yeah, she she, like, she is goalkeeper. good. We, we should have mentioned that. Yeah, I I meant I meant I did mean I forgot to mention it, but I I did want to say yeah I, I did enjoy her story a lot. I think she's actually there's a really so good many character. characters. It's impossible to talk about them all. Uh, but yeah, my God, that like there's so many good ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you haven't read Crossmanage yet, you know, it's, it's available digitally, all five volumes, or if you want to spend less money, it's literally all available in its entirety on the Shonen Jump app for $2. Like, please go read it. It's really good. Like, I, I kind of, I kind of hate myself for taking so long to get to it, honestly. <laughs> uh, but I got to it and that's all that matters. Yes. So, uh, I think we could round off with some questions we got on Twitter. Uh, Lum, do you want to read those off? Let's start off just uh, with a comment from Seaweed Ambassador, who remembers reading the series when it was first releasing on Shonen Jump, and Shonen Jump was making the transition to physical to digital with Shonen Jump Alpha. They love the series and glad to see others talking about it. So thank you, Seaweed Ambassador, for your comment. And I think we had an amazing time talking about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And now let's get into a question from our good friend Joey Weiser, who says they love the series. Uh, it was one of their first experiences reckoning with Jump's cutthroat system in real time. Oh, uh, mm. yeah. Everybody everybody <laughs> seems to have had those first now that yeah. you know, Shonen Jump is bringing almost everything uh, to English. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people felt that way about uh, The Last Sayuki in particular. The first pain of loss losing a great series that uh, Everybody has their first. Yeah. yeah. But Joey's question is, what qualities do you see in this series that Kaito has carried on into newer work? In what ways have they changed as an author? They've not actually changed in that many ways. Yeah, I was going to say, like, outside of what we kind of talked about earlier with the art and that I think he has a stronger contrast in, between his whites and blacks and blue flag, I think that the core of his storytelling and his focus on character relationships has remained consistent. And it's especially the focus in blue flag and then absolutely beautifully. And his strengths as a character designer have continued as well. Again, like, all the characters in Cross Manage look so incredibly distinct and I feel the same way about the blue flag characters the uh the, the the biggest change isn't really with kaito that's happened with the new work it's that the audience has caught up with what they're doing and understood it yeah mm. yeah and i think that's always a really interesting thing because I, I i feel like all authors should strive to change and grow but after, after like two series that didn't really land uh having this this third one blue flag uh, especially on an online platform makes it easier for anyone to read it without any fear of judgment over demographics or whatnot um, I think it's given people a chance to really understand what they've been doing all along about telling these incredibly empathetic and reflective stories. Yeah. Like, you definitely get some mature character drama stories on Jump Plus that you just don't get in the regular Jump. 
You also get deer thoughts on. You also get your trashy you, stuff. You get, you but... get. Oh, well, that's reflective. Yeah. But you, you get like you get a wide variety. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> I said it was reflective. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, you get like Le Petit Prince, which is basically about a naked. Wait, it's a the work. The best worst adaptation of the original story ever. <laughs> Everyone's got their penises out. It's wonderful. Um, is that the Mangatoro one? It, it certainly is. <laughs> why haven't they brought? The, why, why haven't they brought uh, their works in English yet? I, I would. I would pay to read that. Publishers would get boycotted for some of the stuff Mangatoro does. Uh, that that's the best way I can put it. They're gory. Based disgusting things and some of my favorite comics you'll ever read. Like those oh. comics in particular have like this like Ren and Stimpy level of disgusting to it. And probably even more so actually. That oh, like yeah. and inevitably in every series he's ever done, someone falls down some stairs and gets run over by a truck and explodes <laughs> into bits. You know, like there's things. This these but, like, these yeah. sound like the most amazing comics ever, and I hate that we're not getting them. No, not even pirates want to touch them. Oh, like, imagine man. that. World. Wow. Unfortunate. <laughs> oh man. Oh. One of the reasons I learned how to read in Japanese <laughs> is because no one was touching this stuff. I'm I'm, je- I'm jealous of you, Maxi. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't mm-hmm. be. It's a terrible use of oh. my time. I, I should be spending more time uh, making my making my darling baby daughter smile. I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I should be spending comments. more time with my family. They miss me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, going back to, to Kaito, um, I would say, like, one of the things that, one of the few things I would say that changed is, like, in the artwork, there's more of a leaning into that kind of like shoujo influence that we were talking about, and there are a lot yeah. more layouts that feel more like dreamscapey. Oh yeah, there's oh, yeah, only sure. one real fantasy type sequence in Cross Manage where Sakurai, and when they start perfecting the Spear and Shield defense play, Sakurai imagines them kind of like all in knight armor, and that's like the only like out of reality moment in Cross Manage. God, I actually really didn't kind of like that either because it, it was so like overly detailed and over designed. <laughs> like it, it didn't it did not play to Kaito's strengths at all. And I think it's kind of telling that you don't really have a lot of that stuff in the time since. Mm-hmm. Like like that was like that's the kind of thing you would see in like other sports series like Oh yeah, I mean that's I, I, I shield twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But our next question also comes from our good friend Kendra, who asks, what other sports uh, would you like to see in a manga focus on the women's team? And my answer is, like, all sports. I would like to see all sports manga with uh, female-led uh, characters. I was going to say basketball, but then I forgot that um, Girl Got Game exists. Yeah, I think there's even another one. I think there's I think there's focus on the women's uh, team in Rebound Harlem Meet as well. There's there's a lot of like netball series as well, which I I know it's not the same, but it's same territory, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think most most ones that I'd want to see have been covered in some way. Like obviously we've had uh we've had badminton. There's been uh some historically amazing tennis ones. There's even been the amazingly amazingly transgressive uh Rikijo, which is a sumo series, women's Ooh. sumo, oh. which. Hey, if if you know anything about Japanese traditionalism, they ain't even allowed to step in the ring, so it's the oh, best yeah. middle oh, finger yeah. in the world. Uh, it's by Utamaro, who does like a, a, if we're being real, second, some real good porn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, just a, just a great sumo series. It's only three volumes long. I doubt it will ever get licensed. But like, even even the one sport you would expect to never be touched has been touched at this point. That's awesome. And like, I I adore it. I'd love to read it. 
one of my favorite sports manga is called um, The Magnificent Grand Scene. And it's a it's a ballet manga oh, by, uh, by QV. QVA? Q, yeah, QV or QVA. However you say that, QV. I, I have no idea how um, it's said. Who is also a hentai artist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it is, I love that series so much. I really actually wish that it was being printed um, because I would love to own it. It's one of those ones that Media Doe are doing like just digitally, yes. isn't it? Which is mm-hmm. such a shame. The art is gorgeous it's so gorgeous and just as someone who does ballet like the way that the mangaka like was able to capture the the lines of a ballet dancer and the way it's supposed to look i am i was blown away i'm obsessed with it and i i would like to see more people talking about it but i mean otherwise like i can't think of there's there are so many sports manga out there that i think already have like girls as the main um focus yeah so i mean cross manage isn't even the only uh girls across manga there's also but got away so i think there are there's a um, lot of different ones i mean there's, there's even a baton man uh baton yeah baton manga that young jump ran and like did had to suspend publication for one point like uh and, it, and even that managed to go and have a, a woman as the the, the core competitor I think they just need to be licensed and released over here. We're not getting enough of them. Right. Yeah. I, that's the thing. Li- licenses uh, are still too scared of sports series, let alone ones that focus on uh, women teams. I still don't understand why we haven't gotten Tepu over here. That has so much appeal for a lot of people, like women's MMA manga. It's so real hype. The action is incredible. Or like the uh, the weirdly long time it's taking for Farewell My Dear Kramer to get from a, a simulpub all the way across to digital volumes. And like, it, it's got to come out in print eventually. It's like the best women's football series you'll ever read in your life. And it just doesn't seem to... They're hesitating every step of the way. I can't think of like off the top of my head, uh, like a lot of women's sports manga that I read, but... um, Like, I would love to see like a license of uh, Aim for the Ace. Yeah, the classic. Yes. Like, oh yeah, that has to. Like, I read or no, I watched the the anime for that a while ago. Uh, because I wanted to like delve into like Osamu Dezaki yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, like, is was that a? I don't I don't know who drew the manga. Was that Ryoko Ikeda or was that someone else? I don't think. It's uh, that's a that's that's a good question. I mean, that was definitely the style of the time, but no, it was Sumika Yamamoto, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just my ignorance uh, showing. But uh, mm-hmm. I would love to see that, especially because, like, it's, it's drawn by a woman and it's about girls, mm-hmm. but it's so hot-blooded. Yeah. And um, Oh, yeah. Another um, another series that was really good uh, that I just saw, like, an anime was uh, Princess Nine. I would recommend mm-hmm. that. So uh, I, I think this kind of goes into... Um, our next question from Allison, yeah. That is like, why aren't there a lot of sports manga that have the same levels of hype as Haikyuu or Kuroko or Ace of Diamonds or Yuuma Shibata Bubba 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 Players? And I think the answer is there are. We're just not getting a lot watch of those over Watch Major here. Seconds. Yeah, watch Major Seconds. Watch Shihaya Furu. Shihaya Furu is <laughs> incredibly hype. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Major Seconds, because hype's such a weird concept, because that usually just means people in English talking about it online. 
But like, I mean, to give you an idea, like Major Second is one of the most popular anime airing whenever it's on the air, right? It makes it into like the most watched TV shows full stop in Japan. Like, hype is such a relative concept and there are these series with women players that do get attention. It's, there's something that seems to just happen with Western audiences where we're not quite there and you could be there if you just watched the dang yeah. thing. yeah. Has anybody checked out Tamiya? Was it Tamiyomi yet? The the women's baseball series with a bit of Yuri to it. I have heard mixed things about that. That's in my queue. But I did want to check that. It's out. It's something that exists though. Also, a lot of criticism of the uniforms, which are pretty valid. They should probably yeah. be wearing pants. Um, I was gonna. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how many of us you know, watch or agree with this content, but I did, there was a, a Digibro actually did put out a, an interesting video where like he in particular talked about how like, you know, everybody talks about these more popular series like Haikyuu or Kuroko and how like, you know, no, nobody ever talks about like these other uh, less well-known or older sports series because, you know, people, people don't, it, I don't know, people just don't seem to generally, they either just don't know about them or they don't really bother seeking them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, yeah. the best way to give those sorts of things hype is to be the person talking about yeah. them and yeah. try and like let exactly. your enthusiasm infect others. Exactly, yeah. Like everything I talk about is wildly unpopular and I never stop because I want you all to like it. <laughs> right. I also think it maybe depends on like um who you kind of hang out with on Mm -hmm. the internet um because there are some things that like in my circles are definitely what i would consider to be hyped but maybe in another part of like anna twitter or manga twitter it's not as popular so maybe it just depends on like who you who you're following online who you're watching um you know because I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong with that, but it just seems like there are some things that seem like they're being hyped up, but they're being hyped up by the same people. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're people that all kind of hang out together. So I don't know, maybe follow different people. <laughs> yeah. And so much of the hype circle is centered around like these big shonen titles and magazines. Or basically whatever's new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta get outside of that zone to find more diverse stories. And you'll find a lot of what you're looking for if you know you do and you follow the people who are talking about these different niches. You kind of have to get out of that just general zone of like the yeah. most popular populist entertainment that gets, you know, propagated. Like, there are times where, like, I think about, you know, doing this podcast, the Manga Mavericks podcast, what we're on right now. I don't know why I felt the need to specify what podcast we were on. They, they, <laughs> they know. They're listening to it. So sometimes, like, I, there are days where I think, like, man, I'm really blessed that, like, we get to do this podcast because not only do we get to talk about, you know, all the show to jump stuff that Lum and I absolutely love because we both love show to jump. But this, this podcast also forces me to, like, read things that... Not that I, like, wouldn't normally read, but, like, stuff that stuff like Chihayafuru, where, like, I don't know when I would have gotten the Chihayafuru if it weren't for this podcast, so. I mean, heck, my love story, which we covered on the show, was the first shoujo manga you ever completed. 
Yep, mm. that's that is true. Really, <laughs> not 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 a badge of honor I like to wear, but at the same time, it's okay. you know, <laughs> yeah, everyone has their fuss. Now you yeah. have to make a Yona episode. Uh, we have it planned. We have it planned. That hopefully we'll do that later this year. And we and we will have you on. Don't worry. Um, you can't see me, but I'm rubbing my hands like a flyer. <laughs> I think the first shoujo series I ever finished was Beauty is the Beast back when, like, Shoujo Beat did it. Mm. That was so long ago now. Oh, I've made myself feel old. Sorry. Um, you're not allowed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) You're only a few years older than me. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, but basically the point we're trying to make is, you know, try try to diversify your tastes as as best you can. Yeah. You know, try to go outside your circle. You'll be better for it. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. And I think that brings us to our last set of questions from Piana Conyers. And so, uh, their first question is, if it hasn't had one already, could you see it receiving an anime adaptation? Which... I wish. It's been a few years, so I wouldn't... It wasn't necessarily successful, so I wouldn't say the chances are likely. I think Kaito would have to become... I would love a drama. Oh, that would be great. I think Kaito would have to become a bigger name, I guess, for them to look back into his older stuff to adapt them. But I would love to. Blue Flag would have to come first, mm-hmm. do extremely well. That we're like, okay, we gotta do some other Kaito things. There's some opportunity here. And then we have to get to the point where they animate Buddy Strike. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> but um, they'll do a, they'll do a 15 second commercial. Don't worry, Colton. <laughs> I mean, look, unless you have, like, an, an a really eccentric anime director who comes up to Shuation and is like, hey, I love cross-manage. I want to do an anime about it. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, if I'm from Japan, can get an anime. Anything can happen, man. I think I'm Japan got an anime as part of, like, a promotional push. Like, I think that they wanted something from Jump for that time slot on Oasuda, and they were like, uh, we have this thing. Do you, do you want that? You can make a cheap flash cartoon about this. It's two <laughs> minutes long and so. just about a tweens. <laughs> Not any movement or animation at all. Like, uh, there's the first episode of that is on ShowPro's YouTube channel. Uh, I can see, like, why I got <laughs> produced so quickly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, look, like, I don't think it's going to get an anime anytime soon, but, like, I'd totally watch it if it were. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. even if it were, even if it were a drama, I, I'd love to. I'd love to watch it. You know, I mean, e- even if someone just happened to read it and was like a, a big fan, and they were some hotshot uh, like anime scenario writer, and they went and like created their own series that had this same vibe, I would love for more things to exist that were like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think that what we would need is like the same guy who's like a mega fan of Fujita. Uh, from yeah. Sunday, and then he got like Ushi and Tora, the Karakuri Circus, yeah. like animated, uh, a, a producer with a lot of uh, gumption. Yeah, we need the guys from Mappa to just go, hey, we see potential, we want this, and it's like, uh, okay, and so yeah, that's gotta happen. All right, now they got to do Sobote next. It has to happen. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> when it, by the uh, it'll be that other series first, sadly. Which other one? There's something in between Karakuri Circus and Sobate. I can't remember its name. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, well. well, we'll get to Sobate eventually. One day. Hopefully. Yeah, one, one day. Oh, boy. Uh, what's 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 our last question, Lem? Well, our last question is addressing something I think we have sort of talked about, but they asked 
they would love for us to discuss female character-led anime in regards to the series and especially representation in sports anime. And I think we addressed this in our conversation earlier that there's stuff out there and Cross Manager is a great example of a female-led uh, sports series, but there's you know other series that you can also seek out, like classic series and some contemporary series. And uh, there are a few that are available, you know, accessibly, like Farewell, My Dear Kramer, Shoujo Fai Hayafru, and uh, if you are looking for more series like Crossmanage, I would highly recommend those. I mean, a- anime-wise, my, my big recommendation, if you really want, like, a, a solid modern dose of, uh, like, women-led sports anime, is still Hanabado. It it's it's twelve episodes, but it's incredibly solid, incredibly well done uh, by a former jump author because everything connects to Shonen Jump in the end. But like it, it really is quite good. I hear the anime for Hanabata was actually very different from the manga. At that's least what that's I heard what too. I've heard. Oh yeah. yeah, it it definitely like twists things about and shrinks it down. Like, Hanabada is a massively large series, but 12 episodes, you've got a limit. You have to change some things. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I only watched, like, half of it. And uh, personally, I didn't like it, but it's, like, incredibly well animated. I would watch, uh, I think on the Sakugo blog, they, they posted a lot of, like, production notes and, like, a lot of, like, the techniques that they use and stuff. Uh, it's a very, very interesting production, I would say. So just, like, on the merit of you want to see, like, girls play a sport and, like, animated well. Like, yeah, do that. Is Princess Nine any good? I loved it. Uh, it. It took me, like, a bit to, like, uh, get into it because what I wanted was not what I got, but what it was is still a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess in terms of, like, older stuff, like Princess Nine and Aim for the Ace, I guess we could put out there. Yeah. Uh, I think Princess Nine, was, it's on Crunchyroll. That's where I watched it. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's been in my queue for a bit. I'm adding this. I, I'm y'all are giving. I don't watch a ton of anime these days, but y'all are y'all are adding to my list. <laughs> so. I, I I barely watch anime, but the, just every now and then I happen to luck into a series that just fits into these holes pretty well. Oh goodness! Oh, this hole was made for me. Hooray! Okay, <laughs> you want to fit in this hole? Come join me. Be in this hole. Together. Everybody, join me in the baseball hole. <laughs> Ah, yes, the diamond. (laughs) (laughs) The diamond-shaped hole. (laughs) Oh, God, it's such a bummer that, like, the biggest baseball series on, like, streaming services is the one that I'm not super on. It's okay, I'll I'll enjoy it in your stead. (laughs) Yeah, please do, please do. Clearly good, good. it's just not... It's too much on the sport and not enough on the people, which is what I really like about those sorts of series. Which one are we talking about? Ace of the Diamond? I like both, but, um... Sometimes I just need to turn my brain off and see, like, the action playing on the screen. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. What about, uh, what about Mix? Oh, yeah. Mix is a character Mix. drama. Yeah, that's a dachi. Uh, I should watch more of the anime for that. I read the manga a long time ago. But, yeah, I enjoy that one, too. I, I watched one episode, and I actually forgot to keep up with it, because, again, I'm super bad at watching anime. I've got to watch more. Yeah, that one has a dub. It has a dub? Yeah, Funimation yeah. dubbed it. You can, if you have Hulu or Funimation. Yeah, it aired at the same it. time as the first basket review. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, oh, have yeah. A, we, we have Funimation over here just about. I'll, I'll check it out. It's the only Adachi series ever to be dubbed, I think. It was never dubbed across the oh. game, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, we also mentioned Big Windup earlier as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but that, that was not, like, female. Right? Yeah. No, no, it's not. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But uh, it is just, 
just in terms of like baseball stuff, you know. All right, but I think that's about it for Twitter questions, though. Yeah, and I guess that wrapped us up on the podcast, too. I want to thank you guys so much again for coming on the show and discussing cross-manage with us. This was an incredible discussion. I was glad to have, like, all of you, uh, your perspectives and your experiences, you know, to help guide the conversation. I'm glad yeah, you invited so me. Much. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I didn't have the series as fresh in my mind, so I was worried if I could contribute that much, but I think I, I got my points across. I was, I, yeah, I think you contributed... Uh, quite a bit, Marion, so. Definitely. You've got some real, like, passionate personal stuff in there. I don't think anyone would deny you that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I was nervous because um, I'm always nervous to get on other people's podcasts because uh, I, I I feel like I'm funnier in my head than I am in, <laughs> in like, real life. I feel or like more that interest- all the time, yeah. yes. So I'm like, oh, what if I'm not as interesting as I think I am? But um, I had a great time, and I seriously appreciate y'all for um inviting me that was i was surprised and very grateful so <laughs> oh man I, I didn't get to say but i I'm, i follow you on twitter and i watch some oh. of your videos and like <laughs> I, I i love following you aisha so oh thank you i'm a mess on there i sometimes sometimes i drunk tweet and, <laughs> 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 and i'm like why yeah, do same, i say same yeah <laughs> So, oh, actually, sometimes I drunk film, honestly. Like, I have a whole <laughs> series called Thirsty Thursday, and I'm literally drunk in all those videos. So, yeah. Oh, fun. now I'll have to watch those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I talk about hentai, so, <laughs> while drunk. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. any any anytime you or Marion want to come back on the podcast to talk about any other manga particular, like, please, please feel free to ask. Okay. Awesome. I mean, we're all, we're already probably gonna have Marion on for going of the dawn yeah, at this we're point. So. That in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you guys so much for coming on, talking about cross manage with us, and I guess this is really the point of the show where uh, you know you should uh, plug your stuff and let people, let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, we could start with Marion. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at microwavy the e before the v. And I'm also a co-host on like three other podcasts. <laughs> one is uh, one that I, I made with uh, me and a couple other friends that we've known each other for a while. It's called the Good Friends Anime Club. It's at Good Friends Cast on Twitter. And on it, we just cover like manga, anime, games, like basically like stuff we've been like uh, just like uh, into recently. We recorded an episode on uh, Keep Your Hands Off Azoken, And <laughs> recently... I think uh, a couple days ago, we just recorded uh, like a gaming episode on like Animal Crossing and like <laughs> other stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, I have like a little like light novel corner where I plug in like all the light novels that I read because apparently I'm the only person, I'm the only one in my friend circle that like reads light novels for fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. So uh, check that out. And I'm also on at HiQPod. It's, uh, it's called The View from the Top, a Haiku podcast where we cover like anime news uh new chapters usually like bi-weekly now and uh yeah like haiku is super exciting it's like my definitely my favorite uh series in jump yeah please uh aisha if you're caught up on haiku like the manga you should come on like i'll invite you i'm not yet though that's the thing it's uh, i'm so behind like i'm so (laughs) behind because i just got into it so okay whenever you catch up or if you just want to talk about the anime that's fine too we have like anime only segments 
Oh, okay. Well, I will keep that in mind for sure because Haikyuu, mm, it's so good. Okay, it's so good. Anyway. It's really very chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last thing I'm on is uh, the Demon Slayer podcast at D Slayer Podcast on Twitter, uh, where I host it with V-Lord, who sometimes uh, comes on to Ma- Manga Mavericks, uh, and Sakaki. Uh, at Kiroban, who's also, I think he was on the Chihai Fur episode that you guys yeah. recorded earlier. Yes, yeah, he was. Regular, regular guest on the show. Hell yeah. So, yeah, uh, we cover, uh, I'm on the manga episode specifically, and then they also do, uh, they covered episodes of the of the dub that airs on Toonami. Mm-hmm. So, if you're interested, you can check those out. Alright, and then uh, Aisha. So, I am, can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Mama Loves Manga. Um, pretty, pretty easy. And, uh, I'm, where else can you, I guess, like, I have, um, a website also, www.mamalovesmanga.com. And that's pretty much it. Like, on my YouTube channel, I talk about manga. <laughs> and, <laughs> you don't, you don't say. Yeah, right. Like, hmm, what do I talk about there? But yeah, I talk about manga. I'm currently doing a, podcast with one of my friends amanda um and it's called the yaoi shelf and uh, we talk about yeah we it, we just started it um and it's been really fun it's had some good feedback it's currently on my channel so we don't have anything separate for it yet but that's a thing you know if you're into bl and yaoi that would be a fun podcast to listen to um other than that, yeah, I mean, I guess you can find me sometimes on Viz's YouTube channel because I do stuff for them. But I don't know if I should. Y'all might cut that out because I don't know if I want to even like. Say, I feel weird. <laughs> about, like, okay. like it's it's a weird thing because like I feel like I need to like disclose that sometimes. But then I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't know. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, we'll cut it out if you really want us to. I you know, I mean. You don't have to if you don't want. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> okay, no problem. All right, but yeah, definitely go follow Marion and uh, and Aisha. Uh, really enjoy following the both of them, as well as our good friend and frequent contributor Maxie Bernard, who uh, we always love talking about canceled uh, jump series with. Uh, and I can't wait to do more, Maxie. Thank you so much for coming on once again. It's always a pleasure. Um, it's pretty much the closest I get to doing anything creative anymore. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, did. That that sounded way more negative than I meant to say. <laughs> uh, so we're we're currently going through a global crisis, and I uh, supervise a wholesale team for delivery to stores. So, boy, Hallie, let me tell you, I get home, wash myself, and sleep most days. Oh goodness, <laughs> bless your heart. Yeah, yeah that's wow. I, I yeah, I mean, thank you. For- it's like the it's the least worthwhile essential work to be doing right now, but it. It's something, at least. Uh, but I can still be found on Twitter at MaxDB, where I'm currently not doing any of my exciting threads where I talk about Grand Jump and the various series inside. Uh, I am, every month or two, telling people just about every interesting free book they can get from Bookwalker in Japanese, because uh, people seem to really enjoy being able to fill up their libraries with, like, the first two or three volumes of a series, given the chance. Which, I got uh, Osan's uh, love from your thread, because I watched the drama. Victory. That has pleased me. All I, all I want is people to get free things. Uh, stuff will be resuming again soon. I'm actually planning to do some stuff uh, on my website, friendshipeffortvictory.com. 
uh, which continues continues to this day to have uh, 35 of the 36 podcast episodes I have ever done about Shonen Jump series on the site. The 36th one, it's never coming back. Uh, Nobuhiro Watsuki's a pedophile, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, there, there will hopefully, given a chance, I'm working on a, a review of the first of Viz Media's uh, Transformers manga hardcovers because that series has got a lot of personal importance to me and there's some really immense work they've done to actually bring it to us that I really want to highlight. So hopefully that will be up soon, seeing as I'm trying to like do things. Uh, beyond, beyond that, the website, it's got some neat written reviews. If you ever want to know how to go... This is just me now expressing bugbears while pretending to credit myself. If anybody ever wants to learn how to properly credit people when writing a review, please go to my website. It's really easy and not to toot my own horn. I do it well. Bringing back old discourse long after it's all started going quiet again because, oh. It's important discourse. Other than that, uh, please listen to the Manga Mavericks podcast. I've done just about as many episodes of this at this point as I have of my own stuff. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Maxie, we, we, we may or may not be doing a discussion soon on that kind of thing as far as lettering goes. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. And, uh, and Maxie, I just, I just want to say as, as a friend and someone who loves your content, you know, just uh, get to it when you can get to it. You know, we'll, 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 we'll wait for it. People have gotten used to waiting, like, a one to two years for free episode batches of stuff. At this point, like, what people I have that listen to my things are very patient people, and I appreciate all of them. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for this discussion. And, uh, Lum, I think uh, you and me can go ahead and wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. That will manage. Thanks once again to Maxi, Marion, and Aisha for coming on to discuss CrossManage with us. It was a wonderful discussion about a wonderful series from Kaito, and this is not the only podcast we have on a Kaito manga for you, because our Blue Flag episode will be coming out next week, and that's another fantastic discussion, also featuring Maxi, but also we are joined on that episode by Ace Chrisman, letterer for Blue Flag for Viz Media, as well as Sim. G from the YouTube channel of the same name. We had a really fun, passionate discussion about the series. And yeah, I'm really, really happy with our Kaito podcast. I think they've come out really great and have really shined good attention on their work. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I guess um I guess from there we can get into community shout-outs. And uh we 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 mentioned this podcast uh, a little bit ago. But uh, I don't think it was uh, officially out yet when we talked about it. We kind of gave it some pre-promotion. But uh, I kind of wanted to bring up the Act Dodge podcast again, hosted by uh, our good friend and contributor to the show, Vlar GTZ. Um, especially since we had Marion on this podcast, uh, who who is also another host of uh, of the Act Dodge podcast, along with also our good friend Sakaki or Bomber or Kirabon on Twitter, whatever his name is. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to mention them again just because I I recently just listened to the first episode uh, now that it's on uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, I thought it was a – I thought the first episode in particular was a pretty good discussion of just uh, of just Act Dodge in general. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of uh, 
I'm just kind of talking about it more in the broad sense, you know, ho- ho- hopefully selling people on uh, on the series if they uh, if they if some listeners maybe haven't read it yet, which uh, I-, I will admit I haven't gotten to. Uh, I mean, I read the first couple chapters, obviously, when they were jump starts, and I loved it. But I am one of the many people who was kind of waiting for that very small gap to be filled before I just destroy it by binging it, because uh, I, I desperately want to read that uh, at some point here soon. But uh, yeah, just just wanted to shout out the Act Dodge podcast now that it's officially out, and uh, obviously we'll leave links in the show notes for anyone who's uh, interested in listening. So there you go. Indeed. And the Act Age podcast is really, really great. I'm glad that they came together to make a podcast to shine a spotlight on that series. But believe it or not, V-Lord has even more podcasts that he's been making. Oh, boy. And he recently came out with another one called the Dumb Weebs Podcast, which is a general (laughs) anime podcast where V-Lord and a bunch of Tanami faithful folk and stuff, they all come together to just talk about general anime topics that interest them. They're Episode Zero was on ReZero, the OVA, the Frozen Bond, where they, even though they're huge fans of ReZero, they were not a big fan of that OVA. <laughs> and to give you a sneak peek of future episodes, because I sat in the room and listened to them, you can look forward to an episode covering all the new shows coming out in the summer season that they're watching, and a future review of A Whisker Away on Netflix, the new Ooh. Mario Kart film. So they're going to be talking about a lot of cool different anime with a cool group of folks, Alien Renegade, Allison, Izzy, Laser Kid, and of course We Lords. So yeah, a great, great gang of dumb weeds making a cool podcast. In addition to that, there are a lot of different things I want to get to, but related to podcasts, this is actually more of a kind of a sour experience is Ash's recent vlog on his time with the One Piece podcast, Mm. where he went into how as a member of the editorial staff, he wasn't treated really like a part of the team and really not meant to feel like part of the group and has had experiences where he's been trying to bring up issues and has been ignored. I thought that this was a really good thing to put out there to show, hey, you know, you have to be more inclusive and respectful of people on your team. You can't just you can't just ignore them You and you can't just assist them if they are, you know, bringing up reasons you don't want to listen to. And I thought that it was, a, you know, something I hope the One Piece podcast, you know, makes amends for with Ash for how he has been treated. But I think in general, the conversation is very important just to shine the spotlight on, hey, even in groups that are trying to be progressive and positive, there's always room for improvement. And you should listen to marginalized voices speaking out against issues that they're seeing. Mm-hmm, for sure. Similarly, well, not similarly, but another podcast that covering, you know, very... Uh, difficult topics that I want to bring up is Geekdom 101's podcast on Black Lives Matter and covert racism where Geekdom and Adana Xavier basically go into their experiences as people of color dealing with racism growing up and also what they have noticed about systemic racism and 
noticing it in fandom in their lives as they pursue careers and how to, you know, go about rooting it out. Like, I thought that was a really good two-part conversation on the subject. If there, I have one thing that I'm not on board with them with is that they are not totally on board with defund the police, which is a little disappointing to me personally because I am in favor of that. But in general, it was still a really, really good conversation on the topic. But in related to conversations on racism and sexism at institutions, an ex-animator wrote a account of how they had been treated at Pixar during their time there and how as a brown Muslim woman at Pixar, they were victim of not only sexism, but racism, tons of microaggressions, and then just outright explicit racism during their time there that caused real damaging effects on their mental health and basically made them leave the industry because of how they were treated. And again, this is going to show even in places that say that they are progressive, supporting diversity, you know, you need to actually look at like how people of color, marginalized people are being treated and do much better and do right by them. Absolutely. This also brings me into a conversation that Netflix put out with a roundtable of black animators working in the industry. A great roundtable of amazing folks. Bree Henderson, Stevie Carter, Peter Ramsey, Frank Abney, Everett Downing, Cary Grant, and Jack Knight. Like an amazing panel of people talking about their experiences as black animators in the industry. And they do not mince words about how they've been treated, what they've been seeing, and the fact that it is extremely difficult as a person of color to make it in the industry because of the way the industry works in terms of how homogenous a lot of it has been and also the barriers to entry that are keeping a lot of people of color out and how that they have had to work much harder to even be noticed and to be seen to get their foot in the door. Like they don't mince words about like the difficulties and challenges they have faced and their frustrations, but also it is a really encouraging roundtable discussion because they also show how they were able to succeed and how the industry is changing for the better and people are making voices and uh, places to uplift people in the industry which is really really great it was a really fantastic conversation that i absolutely adored and yeah definitely check it out if you are an artist and you want to learn about, you know, how things are in the industry right now, how to get your foot in the door, and how things have been changing. I also want to shed a spotlight on uh, stories about gatekeeping, how people have been treated in the community. Recently, I've recorded a podcast about Black representation and inclusion in the community, and one of my guests was Naja Beck from Blurdy Otome. Naja recently wrote two essays about their experiences with gatekeeping in both the anime fandom and in gaming fandom, basically as a Black fan and as a Black woman in particular, how... She had been a victim of a lot of sexism of people saying, oh, you're an anime fan? You like this anime? You know about this? Or, you know, as a gamer who specializes in Otome games, people dismissing that and saying, oh, Otome games? You're not a real gamer. 
again, these are these were good pieces to like spotlight, you know, that kind of toxicity in fandom and why we need to do better and root that out and uplift people again. Speaking of uplifting people, I think that Anime News Network published a really great feature about the anime community in Zambia and how it grew from a small community into a really lively one with a lot of great conventions, a lot of great independent artists and cosplayers. And I think that's such an awesome story of seeing like, you know, an anime community form in like another country that we, you know, as people based in the U.S., we don't really pay mind to. But there's so many people doing amazing work overseas in other countries. And I really, really loved that video. But to go back into, you know, problematic stuff in the industry, I definitely want to get to the Canapa effects video about how Crunchyroll translators are being vastly underpaid. The systemic reason, the historic reason of why that is, dating back to like kind of the original person who kind of underpaid the entire industry, undersold the work of translator Hoinski. <laughs> wow, what a creep that dude was. In addition to being someone who profited and sold like cheap labor that was just not sustainable but yeah i mean canapa effects video is like a great call to action of hey these translators are doing essential work there is no anime fandom without their work they need to be paid better they need to be paid a living wage so that they aren't just struggling to do the work that they are doing speaking of other great youtube videos I want to shout out Erica's new video about why there are so many schoolgirls in Yuri. It was a really great video that traced Yuri's origins back to its classist roots and stories set in Catholic schools and all that. And it's a great history lesson on kind of some of the foundational aspects of Yuri manga. And then finally, I think I'll round off with a video from Pause and Select, who did a great retrospective on the history of the Japan Sinks franchise. Japan Sinks, of course, has received a new anime adaptation by Masaki Yuasa, and that has really made an impact on a lot of people uh, who have been watching it. But Japan Sinks is a franchise that has been around for 50 years since the original wow. novel and movies. It has had numerous interpretations in film, manga, movies. Pause and Select focuses mainly on the original novel and the movies and explains kind of its origins as an apocalyptic text that is rooted in the idea of Japan's changing national identity and kind of the uncertainty of like what it meant to be Japanese in the post-war period after believing for so long that there is this fatalism of if Japan did not win World War II, there was no future for Japan. And then in the post-war period, seeing Japan have an incredible economic growth and that leading to kind of this disenfranchisement of what does it even mean then to be Japanese? What it means to be Japanese is changing. And Pause and Select kind of traces 
that conversation, that idea in the original text and how it has been reinterpreted as different ideas of, you know, apocalyptic disasters on the horizon have affected like the national consciousness and like what people have been afraid of. For example, the 2006 film adaptation and how that is very influenced by 9-11 and that kind of fear of the stability of the modern Japan could be a threat in a similar way and stuff like that. So it's very, very interesting to trace those origins and then to, of course, reach the conclusion of what is Iwasa's interpretation about. And of course, it's about Street 11. It's about the Tohoku earthquake in 2011. But also kind of coincidentally, because obviously it had been in production for much longer, it is also very timely to the current pandemic that is going on worldwide. So again, it's a very, very interesting retrospective on the history of Japan Sings as a really integral text in the Japanese consciousness and Japanese pop culture in terms of like its look at the apocalypse and what our fear of the apocalypse has changed over like five decades. So those are... A lot of great recommendations, I think, that you guys can check out about fun things, but also important conversations that need to be had. And, yeah, please do check all those out. All right. And, yeah, that's about it for community shoutouts. And uh, and I think that's, that's going to be about it for the show. Uh, again, like we mentioned before, uh, next episode will be our blue flag discussion. Uh, but hey, if you can't wait a whole week to listen to it, uh, it's already all available on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. If you sign up for our $2 tier, you can listen to it before anybody else. Isn't that cool? Um, but yeah, uh, until then, uh, it will be up uh, the week after this episode. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, having people listen to that. But until then, I guess we should uh, just plug the rest of our stuff, starting with Lum. Where can the people find you? You can find me at LumRamiyasha on Twitter. And it's LumRamiyasha to a variety of places like Animation Revelation and Anilist Derivatives of LumRamiyasha. That's where you can find me. You can read my manga reviews on all-com. We've got a lot of book timid, a lot of reviews going out. So look forward to all that on there, as well as the other related podcasts to the show. Lum Squad, a podcast I do monthly with my good friend AC on Yurisei Yatsura, as well as Manga Rats at Movies, the show that we learn and I do talking about anime movies or just whatever movies we like. You can also find those on our podcast feed, the Magvarts podcast feed as well. But also, if you enjoy the artwork I do for the show, you can check out my art at my Instagram, at Sid Artworks. All right. Uh, definitely go check all alum stuff out. Uh, as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter, at SniperKing323. Uh, I also do a few other podcasts on the side, which you can find links to. Uh, over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com, I have a page dedicated uh, to uh, with links to uh, whatever podcasts I'm doing at the moment, including stuff like One Podcast Prevails, which is a uh, Detective Conan slash Case Close podcast that I record with uh, my good friend Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime podcast, which uh, I also do a lot of podcasts with him over on that network as well. Again, uh, links to whatever else I do located at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, but as for uh, Manga Mavericks and All Comic, you can find every episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast posted on allcomic.com. That's where we post every episode first. Again, unless you are a patron, 
at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, I already mentioned our $2 tier. Uh, that basically serves as a way for, uh, for people to listen to early editions of the podcast, depending on when we have them edited. If we happen to have them edited before their uh, specific release date, we'll post them up on there first for, uh, for our patrons to listen to before anyone else. Uh, or you can also sign up for our $5 tier and get uh, get exclusive access to to our collection of monthly bonus podcast uh with a new bonus podcast coming out at the end of every month uh right now we are doing a uh, we're we're kind of doing a a side podcast called the Manga Mavericks Book Club where we talk about different manga that we may have covered on Manga Mavericks just a little more in depth volume by volume we're currently covering uh Masami Kurumada Saint Seiya a manga we did an episode on uh, just a year ago at this point. Uh, this is my first time reading Saint Seiya along with my good friend Doctor. Uh, so if you want to listen to a 100% blind read-through on Saint Seiya, you want to sign up for our Patreon at the $5 tier, again at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Um, but as for all comic and where you can follow us, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow Manga Mavericks in particular, you want to follow our specific account at manga underscore Mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. You can also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga Mavericks, where we post different excerpts of our podcast, including reviews and news and whatnot, sometimes even some exclusive content. Again, that's at youtube.com slash manga Mavericks. Uh, email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, what are your thoughts on cross manage or blue flag or any of Kaito's works? Uh, what are, what are some canceled Shonen Jump series that you want us to talk about on the show? Possibly, uh, email us anything about manga, the podcast, uh, whatever you want, I guess. Uh, we'll read them on the show. Again, that's at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast or basically wherever you're listening to this. We're available on so many different podcast platforms at this point. But wherever you decide to listen to us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, let us know what you think about the podcast. It really helps the visibility of our show, helps us get out there to more listeners, and we really just appreciate it uh, in general. And so I think that's going to be about it for the show. Uh, again, this has been episode 127 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com. And we will see you guys next time for episode 128. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.